0: Bitcoin fixes the money. The Texas Beef Initiative fixes the food. It's time to fight for your lifestyle and your nutrition. This is Texas Slim's Vision. Hey guys, this is Texas Slim with Texas Slim's Vision. I have Surfer Jim with us tonight. How are you doing, Surfer Jim?
1: i'm doing good thanks for having me on you bet uh
0: we haven't really talked that much we've got a a couple of conversations on spaces and that's been about it i've just been following you for a long time you know as i was learning about bitcoin and getting up to speed and everything and a lot of people always said a lot of good things about you so i just wanted to kind of we're, we're uh, Gen X. We're a little bit older than a lot of these guys here. we got a little bit more wisdom, I believe, and we got a little more uh, <laughs> reflection we can uh, share a little bit and uh, try to get everybody kind of based out there and kind of start thinking the same way and kind of you know, how, we're, how we should be living, moving forward with a little strength and a little you know, power in our step and our voice yeah. as well. So how are you doing tonight, man?
1: I'm doing great. It's a lovely night here in New York. It's actually quite warm for December, so it actually is kind of nice, all things considered. Do you stay the winters out there on Long Island and everything, huh? Yeah, my, the bulk of my work is actually in the winter. I get busier. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but I work on an, an island called Fire Island. That's where I do most of my work. I'm a contractor, and you may know that. Uh, so I build and repair homes, and these are basically summer homes. So when the people are in them in the summer, they would prefer you not Over there working, and if they don't need you to fix something, they're not calling for anything. But in the winter, they want all the renovations done, all the major work gets done all winter long. So even though it's cold and snowy and rainy, uh, there's tons of work. So yeah, I'm around all winter up here getting this work done and making money, and just slogging through the cold. (laughs) That that part after after all these years, I could I could i could do without any more winter (laughs)
0: yeah i can imagine it i mean that's that's a cold winter up there right on the ocean and everything that really kind of blows in but it is very picturesque in the winter too in a certain way it can be
1: it can be there's you know where i work is really nice it's very uh quaint and somewhat rural considering the population density on long island uh, when i go to fire island it's it's not a lot of people around especially in the winter so it feels pretty desolate. I don't, nobody bothers me. So a lot of what you hear, a lot of what you see out there in the world going on with, with people being oppressed by the authorities in, in various jurisdictions around the world. Like, I don't feel any of that. Luckily it's just, it's at least I have that sort of um, detachment from the craziness of the world. I mean, I, I interact with it on the fringes. Like I go into New York city for bit devs meeting for, you know, to learn about Bitcoin. And everybody goes out to a, a little pub afterwards. And I, I went with them last week. Um, I usually don't just cause it's a long ride home. Uh, but I said, ah, let me go. And I couldn't get in cause I didn't have a vaccine passport. You know, like I, didn't, no way. I, didn't prove I, I couldn't prove I was vaccinated and have the card never even crossed my mind. I, like I don't deal with it where I live, thankfully. I'm in mean, New York, but nobody around here says anything. But in New York City, they're Nazis. <laughs> Sorry to say. I hope I don't get your YouTube channel banned. That's <laughs> you know, a bad word, but I mean well, it's crazy. Yeah. A guy, you know, a guy at the door. I'm coming in to spend money and I can't prove I'm vaccinated. Like, give me a break. Well, it's like, you know,
0: whatever happened to medical privacy? Well, that shit got kicked Maybe. out the door a long time ago, man. That's, absurd. You know, that's this, not right. None of this ever had to do with the vaccine. And if you no, still do not understand, well, I know, you know, but you know, I just got to <laughs> repeat this. Yeah. Anybody out there still confused about this shit? You know, you're, you're on a, you opted in. And so the people that chose not to opt in, we've still got some say in this world because we don't have to opt in. And that's what a lot of people need to understand we don't have to play this game it's out there yes it is but there's ways that you don't have to be involved with it i don't see it here in texas yeah. and so you know that's a plus for me as well and i'm very thankful for that but
1: I've, hey, i wait i got a question do you see anybody with masks walking around in stores and stuff like public places <laughs> well you can anybody well, like,
0: yeah, you're going to see those people that uh they'll always wear that mask from here on out
1: because yeah i think um, so but I don't know how much worse it is by you or worse it is by me. It's probably worse by me when you go certain places. Like I was on the subway in New York city a week or two ago for one of these meetings. And I think I was the only person on a packed subway call without a mask. <laughs> but, the, but now on the platforms and on the streets is 50% of the people don't have masks and the cops are not busting balls. I walk walk past six cops standing there, all of them standing there in a the line, like, I don't know. what They got nothing to do. Six of them had to be in one spot. It was seemed absurd to me, but they all had masks on and I worked right by and they didn't say a word. So I just, I just, I don't know. I just don't comply. Well, I went no. to the motor vehicle. Did you see that tweet? I sent that. I went to the motor vehicle. These the that. guys that you got to go through a metal detector to go to motor vehicle and I had to go in person. I couldn't mail it in. It was one of those crazy things, whatever. And they made me buy a mask at the little kiosk there after I passed the metal detector. And I went into the motor vehicle and I hung it on one ear. And if <laughs> someone said, you got to put your mask on, I would just go, it's on, see, yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to push. Right. But I, yeah. if, I, if I had to, like I had to fly a couple of times, I had to wear the stupid mask and I hated it. And I just I mean, I hate doing it because I feel like I'm I'm not being. Feel like a traitor. Yeah, I'm not holding my own integrity. It's like terrible, but I want certain things, and I have to deal with this crazy world. So, if they had made me put the mask on in motor vehicle to get done what I had to get done, I would have did it because I had to do it that day. It was you know some bullshit I had to take care of, and I had a deadline. So
0: yeah, and I see that. Man, you know we yeah. can't compare because a lot of people see that shit every day, all the time, every hour. You know, yeah. I don't see it. You don't see it. So, you know, it's not to get talk ballsy or anything here and say, hey, you know, we don't comply at all. Well, if nobody's around you, you know, telling you to comply, that's pretty damn easy.
1: So. Yeah, I just don't comply. I make them tell me to comply. As a yeah. matter of fact, on the way out, I told the two security guys. It just, you know, security guys. They're not even cops officially. And I, I, you know, I tried to be not, well, it's hard to be nice when you are telling somebody they're an asshole indirectly, but I basically told them that, you know, like you guys, I, that was a waste of time. They didn't make me wear it the whole time. You guys made me waste money on this stupid thing. Um, and it's because of guys like you, that this world is like this. You guys are the frontline enforcers that are making this bullshit happen. You don't even see it. You guys are the problem right here. And one guy puffs up his chest and walks up to me, he goes, Have a good day, sir. Have a good day. Like he's trying to like muscle me out, like, like get out of here. Your time is done in this building. It was like really wild to think. And he really did like come close to me. There was one of those ropes, you know, like you walk, you know, just a little rope right there. And I'm on one side. He's on, he comes right up next to it. And I didn't budge. And I go, dude, I don't have to leave. This is a public building. I can stand here and just waste your time, you know, like, and he's like, you're wasting your own time. Have a good day, sir. And he's just, <laughs> and he's like this, like this, like puffed up, like a big shot copper dude. And I was just like, look at you. I go like, I wish I had a mirror. Look at you. And, and like, it's just mind boggling. This is the tough guys at the, at the street level enforcing the bullshit that their overlords tell them to enforce. And all this was, was his damn motor vehicle. You know what I mean? It's great. It's well, and that's the thing about it. I mean, I read something the other day, and
0: it, it, it was really cool. And I can't remember his name exactly, but it was – Matisse de Mintz, I believe. I believe he was Norwegian. And he talked about a form of mass formation and how it happens with people. And, you know, I just have to look at this, see what's going on in Australia, going on in these enforcement, you know, Eastern Europe, places that they're really getting crazy, Austria, Germany, all that kind of stuff. And they talk about mass enforcement and how it starts. And it really br- throws all the logic out of everything and how people have been confused because they are. It's always information every day of the week and if you're really tuning into that noise it's confusing the hell out of you and so these guys are confused about being enforcement or whatever what are they supposed to be now they don't even know what their jobs are half the time you know so there's something fascinating that's going on it is it's sad you know it's a
1: superstition of authority larkin rose uh wrote a good book on it um, I think that's the title: "The Superstition of Authority" or something like. That. No, the most dangerous superstition is what the name of the book is. Right. It's basically this this idea that there are people that we have to we have to essentially bow down to, like we have to honor them as in charge of us. Right. Authority. Authority yeah. figures. Right now, at the parent-child level, um, you know the child doesn't know any better. And if the parent does it right, they just accept the authority, loving authority, knowing it's loving if it is. And the child learns responsibility and how to navigate the world properly. And, and then be able to raise his own child one day, you know, properly with, with responsibility and integrity and and honesty and all the things that make life worth living when you get to be around other people, you know? Um, oh shoot. I lost my train of thought. What we, uh, what was that? what the hell was I making my point about? Sorry to, it's okay. No, I mean, I, I I get, I get what, what was it that triggered that whole thing? You, you were talking something. And I well, I was talking about back. that. I just,
0: well, I was talking about mass formation here and how people, oh, yeah. you know, it's about authority and it's about, you know, yeah.
1: superstition of authority. Right. Right. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, when, when it's a parent and a child, it's unlovingly. It's one thing when you, go to school and you have a teacher that is your authority right you're told to just listen to this person they may not have your best interest at heart but you're told to be a robot and just listen to authority and then you grow up and become an enforcer and somebody's your authority and that person listens to somebody higher up some politician and some right. politician listens to the guy who writes him a big check because everybody just you know and, and they all do it to protect themselves to to survive to to provide for their families. They justify it by I'm doing my job. You know, I'm only doing my job. That's you know, I'm not, it's not up to me. I didn't make the rules. Yeah. Okay. They tried to pull that at Nuremberg too. And they were, you know, people didn't go for it. Like this is bullshit. You have to be responsible for yourself. If you're making this stuff happen at the at the frontline level, you are the problem. Yeah. I don't care who told you to do it yeah gotta, I mean they're, you they're totally, check yourself.
0: yeah they're totally complicit in what's going on right here yeah. and they're totally lost and they're confused in a way and I mean it, it's it's factual we have it, you know there's so many clips there's so much proof that all this stuff and how it's going on and how it's being released and it's amazing that so many people don't see it and that they don't really you know it doesn't scare the living shit out of some people because this has an agenda here no, and totally. you know and it's all intertwined I mean that's why I got, I saw something going on with the damn food industry in, you know, just not on the, on the street level, but, you know, really kind of in the, in the back chatter talk of things that I kind of have access to, and you know, it was like, there's something going on here that's not right. And so I had to go out and talk to those farmers on harvest and everything, but they're in this weird state of mind too. And I, you know, I, I had to deal with some uh, grass fed farmers up in North Dakota and their beef was excellent. And they, they really did everything on their ranch and it was fascinating. They did everything right. And, you know, they have to go by the USDA, well, nobody up there is wearing mask or anything like that. And he he didn't have to have anything. And I, I was going to his ranch about every three days to get beef. And, you know... All of a sudden, there's these signs in this door, and they're all plastered all over his glass and everything. And he said, "Well, if if we get inspected and they come because they have surprise inspections, and if we don't have one mask on, they're gonna shut us down." And so they were using the COVID to try to shut the beef down. And you know, I started. That, yeah, and that that was their whole agenda. It had nothing to do with the COVID. Is because they're grass fed, and there was something bigger going on here with our food. And I so that's you know kind of where I went and wrote the harvest of deception and started doing everything and that led to the texas beef initiative
1: right i read uh, whatever it was you wrote if i forgot the name if that's what you yeah that's, that's what name, i wrote but, yeah, yeah that was a long piece and uh i read at least most of it if not all of it i don't remember because it was pretty long but uh i got the idea you know i i already knew a lot of what you were talking about the sure the Intersection between chemical companies and food companies and giant investment firms like BlackRock and uh, Vanguard and, and there's just so much high-level manipulation of the entire narrative around everything, around the you know the foods that we should eat should not have a list of ingredients. They should be just one ingredient by itself. That's what we should eat, right? If it, if it has more than one ingredient, it, it's already bad for you essentially pretty much, Um, you know, it kind of, you know, pretty much that means it's processed in some way. And there's no reason humans need anything processed, even though I'm willing to eat plenty of processed things. I'm not perfect in my diet by far, but I'm way better than I used to be because I woke up to what was making me have aches and pains every day. You know, the crap I was eating essentially was the worst thing. They don't want you to know that stuff. They make too much money on it. You know, so everything's tied together. You know, the giant monocropping that allows them to grow gazillions of acres of soybean and what do they make? Canola oil. That oh, ripe seed. seed, ripe seed, 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 seed yeah, ripe seeds. Yeah. You know, like that stuff. You know, oh, we're not killing animals. Oh, give me a break. You know, you're killing millions of things. Like beyond animals, you're killing the soil and you're killing the environment. That those pesticides evaporate up into the atmosphere. They go everywhere. It's absurd what they do. Off the charts. Well, <laughs> yeah. And we don't need that. As humans, we don't need that stuff to live. Well, that's... No, there's not a single essential carbohydrate. No. There's not one. Now, I'm no doctor, but I've heard tons of very qualified medical professionals say, there's no essential carbohydrates, which means you you literally don't need fruits or vegetables. Can we eat them? Of course we can. Many people to- tolerate them well. And yet, many people actually don't and don't know it. They don't realize the aches and pains they have or from the potatoes they eat or the, the, the tomatoes or something they think is perfectly healthy, like zucchini or some something, you know, whatever people think that's just perfectly healthy. And sometimes it's not for some people. And because they're not essential, you could get rid of all that, all those crops, which would get rid of all those processed foods. And you can live on a small amount of vegetables in people's gardens and meat and fish and chicken and pork and the human race would flourish beyond anything that would all the obesity would go away. All the chronic diseases would go away. It's crazy. Nobody would believe that, in, in but there's people out there that they talk about this stuff all the time. And, yeah. you know, like, so I'm pretty red billed to the, the fact that, you know, there's so much is corrected if you just eat like really simple whole food like real human diet not anything processed so i don't know, no, know I, I don't well
0: know. yeah i mean and but that's where people complicate things because the food industry is nothing but a marketing plan you know it's always totally has been. and yeah. so what people need to understand is eating is not that big of a deal it's not that hard and the more that you eat let's say beef good beef you're not hungry and you really oh, i know
1: and totally it, it i eat just once happens.
0: a day exactly i mean i put in i do 186 usually i d, i put in mm-hmm. about 18 hours and then i'll eat for those 6 hours and i usually go for about a pound and a half or 2 pounds of beef every day and that's mm-hmm. pretty see, i'll have an avocado i'll have something like that i'll have an asparagus sometimes but um sweet potato that's a good you know kind of complex carbohydrate but you're right you don't worry about food that much you don't crave it you things taste differently and it's this is not preaching this is just like hey guys out out there man just try this shit out for one month and you're going to be okay you don't have to have a big plan and doesn't have to be a big diet you don't have to count much you just nope. eat beef you know
1: yeah there's a guy uh, on the internet uh dr ken berry he's got a youtube channel really smart guy he wrote a book called lies my doctor told me and he's got the uh beef, butter, bacon, and eggs diet for 90 days, just try it, eat those four things and you'll feel like a million bucks. And, you know, but the, when I get really extreme and I eat no carbohydrates, I feel way better And oh, if yeah. I cheat and eat something, you know, that's you know some kind of tasty treat that I see sitting around, or whatever, you know, I can feel it sometimes. I really can. You know, if I really go off, like, I used to eat pizza every day for decades. Literally. It was so easy. The pizzerias are sure. everywhere on Long Island and it was one of my favorite foods. And I thought it was reasonably healthy. You know, it had bread. That was bread was at the bottom of the pier- food pyramid. It's gotta be good for you. It had cheese and tomato sauce. Wow. You know, how bad can pizza be? Anyway, the cheese is probably the only thing good on there anyway. Um, but yeah, that wasn't good for me. So I rarely eat pizza, but if I just, you know, Uh, maybe six times this year that was it that i had pizza which is i would have six six times a week i would have pizza in my you know for years and years so like six times a year is absurd for me like to not have pizza but if i eat it i'll feel it the next day a little like my back will ache or something it's crazy well it's really noticeable but you don't notice that when you're eating that stuff all the time because you just think oh i'm getting old i got aches and pains that's how life is but it doesn't need to be like that. If you get rid of all that stuff and see how you feel, you'll be amazed. Then eat one thing at a time, it's called an elimination diet. You get rid of all the carbohydrates for 90 days and then pick the one you like the most and eat it and watch what happens. And then t- test that for a couple of days and then stop that and then test something else. And you'll see what you can eat. You know, yeah. Most people will never do that, but that that's one way to figure it out
0: well i mean you got to be intentional with this shit it's not a yeah. fad it's you know you got to have some discipline you know oh I mean, totally
1: all you gotta motor- want to do it you know yeah. i really wanted to my dude my surfing was getting crappy i was, I was getting older
0: i was about well, to I, this is why
1: you did it there you go i i'm i'm obsessed with surfing i have been since i learned uh you know when i was a teenager and uh I, I have tons of friends my age and older that still do it regularly. They are some of the most diehard surfers and some of them are retired. So they go all the time. They're like loving life because they can go every time there's waves and, and they surf like maniacs still in their sixties and even seventies. I know guys that surf all the time and I'm like, well, why can't I? And I look in the mirror and I'm like, you're an idiot. Look at you. You're fat. You have no wonder <laughs> you can't surf good. So I had to fix that. I was pissed off for a couple of years. It just kept going downhill. And I'm like, I can't let this keep going. I got to stop this. How so long did that take you? How long did it take you? Um, so I I did what you're doing. I did intermittent fasting first. And I started, I want to say like three or four years ago, probably right around the time I got into Bitcoin, which is almost five years now. So um maybe a little after I think I already was into Bitcoin before I really changed my diet. it's hard to remember that many years back now because so much has happened. But I started the intermittent fasting and I ate the same crap in my eating window. And it still I still was able to lose some weight and I started feeling a little better. And then I was learning. Then I then there was a definite switch over because I had a very interesting and very fortunate experience where I was looking on Twitter and I saw Pierre Richard tweeted out: if you want to come to a steak dinner with Saferdine and me in New York City, you know, hit me up and it limited supply or whatever. And the tweet was four minutes old. And I said, Can I come? You know, and he didn't even know me. He's like, You're in. So I went to a private steak dinner with Safety Dean and Pierre Richard and eleven or ten other Bitcoiners that I didn't know. And, uh, and safety is like red pill and everybody on steak. And I'm going like, all right, well, I'm already trying to get healthy and I love steak. I got to look into this more. And that, you know, that was a big deal that really uh, helped me a lot because here's a Bitcoin guy that I thought was cool. I read his book already. You know, I had already heard some stuff about keto diets and carnivore diets, but then that really put me over the edge. Cause I got to sit there and talk to all these people and we basically all had just a steak dinner. That was the whole point of it. It was a steak dinner, you know, so it was pretty cool. So that's like, so that really, so I was probably about 80 pounds heavier than I am now. And it took me about a year and a half to two years to lose that very slowly. And all I did was just try to stick to a carnivore diet. And the more I ate carnivore, the less hungry I was, like you just said. And I ended up going down to like one meal a day, essentially. And I will eat, you know, and then an hour later have, a little more. So, you know, my eating window can stretch out an hour or two sometimes, but essentially I, I sit down at dinner time every night and I have as much as I want until I'm full. And then that's about it usually. Um, And then, but I'm good all the way till I don't get hungry till lunch the next day. And then all I got to do is guzzle like eight ounces of water and I'm good till dinner. And it's amazing. And I never, I can't believe I even say this because there's no way this was me years ago. If anybody, you know, anybody that knew me, would laugh to think that this is how I am right now. Cause I was never even close to this. I was like a sugar fanatic. I eat candy bars and sugar cereal all the time. Well into my thirties and forties, I was still eating you know, right. Oreo cookies and stuff, you know, cause I was just like, why not? I can do what I want. I'm free. Meanwhile, my, my health suffered. I went to a chiropractor for 25 years, no exaggeration. Uh-huh. And I don't, I haven't gone in like four or five years now. Wow. Cause I don't have a back anymore. I went away. It's amazing.
0: Well, like, well, and, off the yeah, charts, yeah. amazing well that's what people don't understand is that everybody's bodies are inflamed and you know they just they can't figure that out and they don't know why it just does not make sense and it's it's part of the cognitive dissonance that we have you know in our society right now that they just cannot accept it and once again I always have to say this the shit's not a judgment on you but it's really time to wake up there's no more excuses here
1: (laughs) yeah there's enough information if you want to do the research right the stuff I'm saying you could call me crazy but just go and check what i say like we say in bitcoin don't trust verify so don't just trust me why would you you know i'm just some dude on the internet right but uh you know you can learn anything you need to know in life off the internet now you don't need to go to school you know you You don't need to go to a library if you don't want to you know yeah no it's out there and there's enough people that you can cross reference and you can look at a body of their work and go this guy knows what he's talking about yeah you can if you're smart enough reasonable enough have a Halfway these in education that you can understand a simple, some simple math once in a while. And you can understand some simple principles, some reasoning, you know, you can decipher any occupation, any subject matter. If you just take enough time and start at the beginning and learn the basics about what it is, it's just like learning about Bitcoin. Just learn a few things first and then build on that little by little, you know, tons. It's not that hard. It just takes a little time
0: well you know i always call it right now especially with food i always say you need to get to the source of the seed of this shit you know and everything that you're looking at anymore in this life in our society and how our money is how our food is get to the source of the seed of anything that you're you're, you're curious about and you're going to be able to learn whatever it is that you're trying to achieve some knowledge in yeah. and so that's what a lot of people a lot of guys need to start doing that you know like you say don't trust you know you got to verify first well get yeah. to the bottom of it basically and you can start kind of finding some stuff out and uh, you don't have to be ignorant you don't have to say I can't I mean it's all possible it's really about just having that discipline so
1: it is it is when you you know after you got a few years under your belt if you're honest you realize that you know your best accomplishments took place when you really put your mind to something and didn't quit and you know you feel better about yourself uh, you get you get more done when you when you work hard and you just got to Overcome the willpower and the and the uh, you know get the willpower to overcome the procrastination and the you know the denial that it can't work or it takes too long whatever it might be you know yeah but it's worth it's worth it changing your diet as hard as it is for me to pass up some of these yummy foods that you see in the supermarket you know many people have said this you go to the supermarket just walk around the perimeter don't go down the middle sure. And that really is the best, most wholesome food. But Even plenty of that is not all that great for you. So my supermarket journey is really quick now. Uh, I buy a handful of items routinely. Um, My refrigerator is easy to stock. My my, um, cooking menu is really simple and really easy and very few plates and dishes. Like everything gets easier when you eat like this because everything's shorter. The amount of time it takes me to eat and clean up, the amount of things I have to prepare. I'm not preparing all kinds of different things that require different pots and pans and all, you know what I mean? It's just like, I cook a bunch of meat generally every night. That's about oh, yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take much at all. Like tonight I had, I learned this guy, Ken Berry, I mentioned before, he he shows this way of cooking bacon. It's just, it's actually one of the best ways. I, I really love it now. So um, I wanted just bacon and eggs tonight. So I cook, he chops up the bacon into little one inch by one inch squares, roughly. Uh, and throws it in a saucepan with a cover on high and you just keep stirring it and it never splatters and it cooks really well and once you figure it out you can get it to be crispy or soft however you like it As soon as that's done enough i pour a lot of the grease out into a pan and i fry up a bunch of eggs and right before the eggs actually start to cook i throw all that bacon into the eggs and it sort of gets embedded in the eggs and then i just cook that up and throw it on the plate and i'm and it just and you're going. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, I like sometimes I eat like six eggs and a and a half a pound or a pound of bacon all in one shot, and I'm like so stuffed. And it, like the eggs, they say eggs are like the superfood on this planet. They got everything in them, sure. everything you could want. Yeah. So yeah, but it's so easy to do. It's quick. It's two pans, one plate, a, a knife and a fork. You know, some butter. I don't That's know, all you need, man it,
0: it is it it's well, it's so simple that it, it gets complicated, like I was saying. i I think I'm down to the grocery store maybe twenty percent of the time now. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I just don't need it. i and I don't yeah. spend I'm not spending the money, you know, I've got plenty of beef right now, so I've got enough beef for the next two years, and so I'm pretty sad,
1: and yeah, I don't have the storage for that, but, um, I eat maybe 20 dollars worth of food a day with right. steak you know some whatever kind of meat i'm eating mm-hmm. um I, I i happen to like milk so I, I still drink some milk once in a while um uh you know if i'm gonna treat myself a little bit of ice cream something like that which i know isn't good for me with the sugar in it but um ultimately i spend like 20 bucks a day people spend sometimes that much just on lunch Yeah. And then there's dinner and there's breakfast, you know? So like I spend way less on food. I I'm full all day long. I have tons of energy. My health is better than it's ever been. So like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just one guy on the internet saying this crap, but uh, there are hundreds, if not thousands of uh, anecdotal stories, just like mine. If you go out and listen and, and search for them.
0: Well, They're yeah. I mean, I did a podcast with Dr. Sean Baker. You know, oh, and
1: he, I know him. I, I follow his work for yeah, years now. Yeah.
0: yeah, and we did a podcast together. I think I'm going to try to. I'm going to talk to him. I'm try to get him to contribute a little bit within the Texas Beef Initiative because well, I mean, he seems yeah. like he would. I, yeah, he's, he's pretty interested and you know, he asked me onto his podcast So that'd be pretty cool to get, I'm going to bring a lot of that into the Texas beef initiative. You know, there's going to be stuff that I'm doing. There's a section called mine, your protein. And what it's going to be is like anybody that can come, anybody that has a story about, Hey, this is how they're doing it. And it's successful. It'll be kind of, uh, it'll be crowdsourcing information. It'll have to get approved of course, but it's not that big of a deal. But a lot of people are going to be able to say, Hey, this is is how i'm doing these cuts of the cow this is how i'm eating you know whatever you know i'm buying a quarter of a cow this is what i do with that quarter of a cow so there's going to be a lot of good intelligence that come in through the texas beef initiative where we can all kind of utilize it and everything
1: cool i hope I, I hope the industry grows and what's funny when i say that i actually mean that it grows in little small pockets everywhere yeah. not well, giant. Not giant production farms of cattle like they have now. No, I want to see the whole industry shift away from that giant model and have all those cows sitting on little plots of land all spread out everywhere. That would be way more healthy for everybody, it seems to me, and the planet.
0: Well, that's that's where we have to get. I mean, that's really the only solution in the long run. We have to bring that ideal back the regenerative action back. We have to bring it back and we really have to start doing it now. And, you know, I'm bringing that kind of awareness to the to the party here because this shit's pretty important and you know how they're, how they're really trying to kill the cattle rancher, which they already are killing the cattle rancher, but you know, they do have an agenda to take away our animal protein.
1: And it's not crazy to think, I don't know. How do these people get away with thinking this? Do they really think that they're going to be healthy? They don't no no no. They're I don't, they're still I don't gonna get it. they're still gonna eat the good food. Beef will become
0: caviar is what they're gonna do with it. Okay. Yeah, that's bullshit. They're, they're gonna keep it out of the reach of people that cannot afford it. That's but, what's you know, going on here in those But if it's did,
1: if if you turn it around, everybody could afford it. If you just course. have regenerative farms everywhere, it would beef would not be expensive. Well, no, it's not expensive
0: at all. I mean, it, it 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 was made expensive because it was commoditized the way it's yeah. been commoditized. You know, there's so Terrible. much corruption corruption that has taken place,
1: you know. Hey, can I ask you something? With the with the yeah. commoditization, these these cows that are on these big giant farms, the stuff they're eating is coming from the crops that are sprayed with these chemicals, essentially, correct? And they could yes. they could tell you that they're feeding these cows, you know what they what they get away with on paper calling natural when really it's not.
0: No, no, it's the, the rules have changed so much. And, you know, a, a rancher's got to do what a rancher's got to do and a farmer's got to do what a farmer's got to do. But well, they're, that's they're, the sad
1: part. They're pressured well, into well, using these are. products, right? Yeah,
0: it's more than pressured. They have to sign something called a, if you're a farmer, uh, yeah. you have to sign a technology use agreement. Monsanto built that in the 90s, I believe it was. But yeah, oh, they're so they're, gross. Well, there's a lot of them that are very, captured and they are captured and it's just the truth. And so there's a lot of things that they get away with. like the grass rule, you know, well, that's the FDA saying, Hey, it's generally recognized as safe. And so a lot of those chemicals, a lot of new nanoparticles that they're starting to put in food, they don't have to tell you what that shit is anymore.
1: And, you yeah, know, because you, they make up the rules, they can decide what they have to tell you. It's well, so absurd. Course, the people yeah. don't see how the system works. The no. people that are telling you the fact are the ones who get to decide what facts to tell you. Yeah. That's
0: absurd. There's, there's the, there, zero, no broken. conflict of interest there at all. Okay. Everything's good. No problem. No, there's, there's a lot of stroking going on there. Uh, very little uh, check and balance going on. So, <laughs> But yeah, terrible. well, they cause the chaos. They cause the cure, you know, they create, yeah,
1: yeah, oh, totally. yeah. create, create them, the problem and then come yeah. up with the solution and, and everybody is happy and applauds you for implementing. Right. The whole. So, but
0: yeah, they, they've been the rules and there's a lot of rules out there. I'll tell you one, get like a grass fed farmer. Okay. There's certain people out there that can get away with stuff. They can have a cow that's 10 years old, some heifer that doesn't have any teeth left and put her on a, a patch of grass for a couple hours. And then they can go to harvest with that cow and say it was a grass fed cow
1: Oh, that's crazy.
0: so well, of course it's crazy but this is you know just yeah. as we just said i mean like i shouldn't even
1: i told, i know this stuff goes on all over the world it's terrible of because it the does. people that get to r- run things look it's all tied to the money you and i both know this the people that are setting the rules are doing that because they have the backing of of forces that will impose extortion and violence on you if you don't follow Essentially everything is backed by violence or the threat of violence in the end. So you only listen to those people who you are afraid of and that can do harm to you. Right. If you get a speeding ticket, you pay it because you know, they'll just take it out of your bank account or something or they'll drain you in some other way. I mean, there's all this stupid shit. So, you know, it's like, okay, they get to extort money out of me because it's, it's a pain in the neck if I don't just give it to them. So, you know, you bend over and you just deal with it. And we all do It's terrible They get away with it Because they can Because in the end They can do it They can go right to your bank And take the money If they want They they got all kinds of tricks Because they are the state The people with the power The people that control the money At the top uh, anyway, well, yeah, and it, it
0: will. No, I mean, it's good to get started on this yeah, I mean, because I it's true. And I've got, you know, that's what I've been trying to do is bring it into the food, you know, industry and saying it's it's no different because we talk about how the money is broken. Right. Well, anything that touches that money is broken, too. Right. Isn't it? So, you know, yeah. when you look at the food supply, how it got corrupted after 1971. So, you know, all this stuff really does need to be brought out because it doesn't in the long run. It has not to do with money. It has to do with power. It has to do with control. And, you know, that's what people just can't wrap their heads around it because they bring a moral and a value argument to the debate. And that's where you just get screwed up right there because you're comparing somebody in the wrong way.
1: And go ahead. I, I, I just, I picture the system so differently and I wish more people could just get this vision in their head. So government and every, every level of government, whether it's the, the bureaucrats that write rules, words on paper that become laws, the, the people that vote on them, you know, whether it's the president who signs it or enforcers in an overseas country imposing U.S. will on foreign people, you know, this whole mechanism of government is just other people. And those other people were little babies in diapers, shitting themselves once, just like everybody else. And now they do what they do. So so if if I got together with the neighbors down the block, we all came and knocked on your door and said, listen, we want to put a swimming pool here. You're in the middle of the block. It's going to serve us really well. Your house is coming down, but we're going to pay you. You would go like, yeah, sure you are. Get the hell off my property. But boy, when the state comes and does it, you have no choice. Right. And if you could just see that they're just other people and they have no inherent rights, no more than I would and me and the rest of the neighbors would in voting you out of your own house. Right. But somehow we we allow it to happen. We essentially allow it to happen because there's way more of us than there are of them. Oh, yes. But us don't get together. Us are not connected with radios and we can call 10 backup when somebody bugs us or, or threatens us. Right. You know, like 10 of my neighbors, aren't going to come rushing up with cars with lights on them. If one of the guys with the f- funny uniforms and the shiny badges wants to bother me and I, you know, he can call his friends, but I don't have that going right. We're not organized like they are, but we also don't control the money that we're all forced to work with. So those guys do it because they get lots of that little money stuff that they make us work our tails off for right so they they're connected closer to where that money starts and so they're willing to do it because they get paid well and they get to play with all kinds of great toys you know being the enforcers but you and i don't have that but boy if we got together i i have to laugh at all these peaceful protests that go on the bureaucrats sit in their high horses up in their offices looking out the windows at people standing there doing nothing yeah they're not getting shot they should they should be shot those people Uh, where are the snipers Picking off these parasite politicians from a thousand yards. Where are they? Where are the heroes in the freaking James Bond movies that are killing these parasites that are stealing wealth from everybody. They should be hung in the streets for everybody to watch every one of these bastards. That's disgusting. They're just other fucking people. Excuse me. Bleep that out. If it's not cool to say that stuff, <laughs> no, I, it's can't cool. well, I can't stand no. it. People just like, Oh no, but they're the ones in charge. Why? 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 So they they get to tell us what to do. They get to spy on us. We can't spy on them. Yeah, it, well,
0: that's I just call it, you know, I call it just the rent seeking behaviors because people don't know how to take ownership anymore. Ownership of their non-action or ownership of their action. And, you know, to do something instead of being a freaking spectator to all this, because, you know, it really is something that is that important. And you realize that people do not even understand the world that they're living in. It already has become somewhat of a augmented reality for a lot of people and they don't really understand that and especially a couple of younger generations are pretty trapped and some of them are hanging in there but some of them are pretty screwed up as well and you know this is going to be a parallel thing that happens here and you know we're going to find out where it goes but from the money to the food to even the law enforcement like you say i mean it is it is so scattered i mean like we were talking about before this part of texas I'm not seeing anything and, but I have friends in Australia that are seeing everything. And so, you know, and they're trying to, Sorry. some of them are trying to get out. Some of them don't know what to do. Some of them have kids, you know, and they're forcing to have division in that family because the kids don't understand and the parents are trying to convince them. So, you know, all this is going to play out and we just don't know where it's going to go. But the one thing that you do not have to do is you do not have to comply. You do, not have to basically take their ownership of what they're trying to tell you to do and that's what a lot of people don't understand and you have to sit back and you have to say hey why do i desire what i desire what is going to be the most important thing for me to focus on right now and so once again that's why i'm kind of pointing everybody to animal protein you better make sure you know how to get animal protein this next year because it is coming and they're going to come after your food supplies in ways you do not understand understand and i am not a conspiracy guy i've never even thought about doing what i'm doing right now but it has to be said you know yeah.
1: it, and, it's and, it's happening and you know the more we face it and consider what the ramifications might be and take precautions and get ready and get you know, figure out what you're going to do. You know, uh, sure. a lot of people don't have a plan. They don't. They don't see it coming. They hear somebody like you or I maybe say something. They dismiss it. They don't give it a second thought. They don't really pay much attention. And It's really unfortunate. And f- forget about. It. You're never going to get the news um, to tell you what what's the facts out there. What's no. going on in the world? You know, the mainstream media forget it. And most people are plugged into that. They think that's honest truth of the world. I mean, this whole uh, Maxwell trial that's going on. The fact that you hear nothing on every mainstream media station every night, there's nothing about anything that was said in that trial, but they covered that Rittenhouse trial pretty hard. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> this woman involved in the largest, potentially largest child tra- sex trafficking ring in, in the world. You know, how many, how many famous, rich, wealthy politicians, actors, whatever, potentially involved in this. And, and the media doesn't cover any of it. You got to wonder like Oh, that's not funny. No, of course not. It's absurd, man. The, the world doesn't even notice. It's crazy Well,
0: well, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's some form of, you know, they're just already in an augmented reality that they don't even know what's, you know, truly, you know, they don't even think about that, that word anymore. They don't think about child predator. They don't think or hear pedophilia. I mean, they've normalized the stuff so much that people, it has no impact anymore. And I, you know, Drag always, queen
1: story hour. Yeah. Have you heard of that one? Holy crap. I have not. (laughs) Oh, no. You never heard that? That, No, seriously. There are people that think it's acceptable to have a drag queen come into your child's elementary school and read storybooks. A guy dressed like a woman, usually big and fat, and it's drag queen story time. And they do this in places in In the world. (laughs) That's just, I've seen it. I cringed. I thought, come on. And the other adults letting this happen with actually little kids. And you see pictures of little kids cross their legs looking up at the drag queen with a little storybook. Wow. I'm just going, this is got To be a joke, but well, that man, you know, that's pretty interesting, yeah.
0: There is, and I guarantee, I guarantee that my son would have never seen anything close to that. And
1: listen, I <laughs> uh, just to be fair, I have nothing against drag queens at all. It there has is nothing a, to do with it, it has I, nothing to do with it, it has nothing to do with it. It's just not appropriate for five year olds, in my opinion, no, okay. Because the people that um, are
0: doing that are usually pretty perverted, and the reason they want well, to be around again, yeah. you know, we won't go there,
1: potentially, <laughs> you know, but that's not even it. That's not what kids should go to school for, essentially. no, it really is. To learn science and math and English and logic and reason and skills. Like, well, I was very fortunate. I went to a school that had every shop class in the world you could think of. Like, we had a print shop, we had a, a metal shop, we had a wood shop, we had an auto shop, we had a ceramics shop, we had a moldable materials class where we did fiberglass work and expandable beads and all kinds of crazy stuff, Lexan, things like that. I learned so many skills in my school growing up home. Uh, I, I did a class in homemaking, like how to bake. And yeah. I already knew from a kid growing up with my mom in the kitchen, I knew how to bake. So I took a class in school cause it was easy credits. I got to hang out with all the girls Right. <laughs> in right. seventh grade. I love that class, but yeah. you know, like that's what kids should learn. Right? Not, how to, not a drag queen story hour. I'm sorry. They can learn that when they get older. Like, there's, there's plenty of time for that if they really want to go that way. Well, yeah. Let I them mean, decide when they get a little older, right? I don't know
0: you know it's not it's not hard to find if that's what you want but the reason they put it in the schools is to destroy our public education systems and to make parents understand and think and really believe that they don't have a say anymore on how to raise yeah, children terrible. you know and all that once again started after 1971 as well in 1971 they were able to tell society and traditional families that you're not important anymore they were able to tell fathers that hey you know you don't have to be a father they did a lot of things things and we see what the outcome is today. So, you know, public schools are, you know, they're pretty much gone. I mean, the, the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, proved that, you know, it, oh, yeah, it, so. it definitely pointed out the the teacher's unions and which ones were very extremely corrupt and everything. So, totally. you know, my, my boy graduates this year. So I'm, I'm very happy that he's getting
1: out of public school. So yeah, man. Anyhow, I had pretty, kids I wouldn't put him in public school nowadays unless oh, you live in a really good neighborhood. I'd, oh no. I'd try to homeschool for sure.
0: I, I would make sure of that. I would not even, not the stuff that, you know, that we've seen and, you know, what's yeah. about to happen. So, yeah, I wouldn't even touch Scary. it. Scary. So,
1: yeah. I, I would, th- if I ever had, well, not that I'm going to ha- be doing this with the rest of my life, but. Um, it, it didn't turn out this way, but I, if the opportunity presented itself and I w- had a, a young wife and uh, and I w- did the traveling that I did do when I was younger, yeah. I would have raised a family on the road. That would be a really cool way to raise some kids if you can manage dealing with being on the road. Uh, but the experiences of going, you know, going overseas into different places. And honestly, like I've never been out of the country overseas and had problems. Never. Like. I, I got pulled over once in I don't know, was it Costa Rica, and I just had to pay the cop on the highway. He basically made it pretty obvious. you could pay you could pay here or you could go see the judge next week. I'm like, how much? Yeah. <laughs> I just paid him and drove away. It was like they yeah. just do it, you know, they know. but um like that I didn't even consider that like trouble. <laughs> You know, it was just like some that dude was just making, a tourist. Okay. Yeah, you just yeah, so, that's what they do. It's part of the deal, man. <laughs> Pretty much, but other than that, like like everybody's always friendly. They know you're out of town, or like nobody's trying to stab you in the back. I mean, sure, there's places in the world you got to be careful, but I don't know. I guess I, I don't go there. <laughs> you know, but like, yeah. there's a million places in the world that's perfectly safe to go to, and people are awesome and cool and nice and what and whatever. It's just like there's so much out there. They're crazy.
0: well there is and you know they've they've taken that you know away a lot too i mean yeah oh, it's
1: disgusting yeah i mean they shut the world down dude
0: well by design everything that's was crazy. you know they already had their plans they knew what they were going to do and everybody sleepwalked right into it so you know if you really look back there's a couple of indicators that we should have
1: saw a little bit before but anyways so i'm um, listen i i'm um, it's re- we're right on the edge right so they're putting their it's almost like <laughs> I wonder if the, those, the people at the top that we never get to see saw Bitcoin, watched it grow and said, oh, shit, we got to put this into overdrive, guys, or we're going we're gonna to lose. Yeah. So they're kicking this plan into overdrive to try and control society, moving you from this pandemic bullshit is a joke. I mean, this is just a, a really strong flu season. You know, sure, some people get super sick, but they were getting sick from the flu, too. And how did that just disappear in 2020? There was no flu? Come yeah. on there's the biggest scam I've ever seen in my 60 years of being on this planet. It's crazy to think. And moving from that to like, I go to a, a club in New York city, a couple of weeks ago, a little pub, tiny little place, you know, they could use every dime if you ask me, but they didn't get any of mine because I didn't have my vaccine passport. Are you kidding me? Like, and then it's going to be digital on your phone. And we all know that digital money's coming. They don't want you to have cash in your pocket anymore because that's uh, you know anonymous. They can't figure out what you're doing with that. And if they get away with getting this all implemented in the next couple of years before Bitcoin takes off ubiquitously, it's going to be really tenuous for a while. It's going yeah. to be, uh, you know, I could see some wars happening for various stupid political reasons to divert everybody's attention. You know, I don't know. But um, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, enough of the people in power and the enforcers, this is where it matters the most. If we can convince the enforcers that they're getting paid shitty money and they need to defect. Essentially, if if every enforcer literally spun around 180 degrees and pointed their weapons inward, this thing would be over tomorrow. It'd be easy. I mean, it'd be so easy. And then they could... Now, of course, they don't know how to rule themselves. They need somebody to tell them what to do, literally. The military, I mean, it's happened. There's been coups all over the world, right? We could, you could take over the entire governmental operation with the people that have physical control over the guns. If they all got together and just turned around. Right. So now you start from scratch, you kick them all out. Now you just, you lock them all up first. And then you figure out what to do with them. Later. You feed them shit. Like they do to everybody else. You get Ross out of jail as quick as possible. Get Julian Assange out of his captivity over there with those assholes in great Britain. And you fix this bullshit by getting rid of these parasites. Right. But these guys with the guns, they don't know what to do. They're not going to know what to do with society. They're not going to have a to planet. So they're going to need a leader. And then you're going to get somebody else, some other parasite that can convince everybody to listen to him. So unfortunately, we're kind of screwed as a society. But if they can't control the money, then it changes everything because they can't look to anybody to pay them with the money they get to print out of thin air. You know what I mean? Like they, they won't turn around and dismantle the system where they get their money from because then they'll be like, well, now what do I do? But if they had money to use, they could. So yep. I, I predict if it were to go nonviolently, it would go because the dollar hyperinflates and the enforcers look at what they're getting paid. And they look at their neighbor next door who's had Bitcoin for 10 years as a multimillionaire now in terms of spending power. And they're like, Holy crap, I should have listened. I'm quitting. Right. And yep. I'm not taking your crappy money anymore. And they just defect from doing their jobs and enforcing for these parasites. But uh, you know, that's my utopian dream that it just like falls apart and nobody really gets hurt. <laughs> that's highly unlikely.
0: Well, you know,
1: people are going to get hurt. I mean, we haven't know. Even, you, know, you know, it, it's sad to think, a... I hope I'm not one of them.
0: <laughs> well, I think that we're kind of, you know, we're, we're a little bit more aware than a lot of people out there. And, you know, you've been in this for five years, so you've got some reflection
1: that you can reflect yeah. on and you I can also have a people. plan. What's that? I have, well, I I have been very aggressively shrinking my attack surface and my footprint in life. I owned a lot of stuff. Gotcha. I had a very nice house that I just sold recently. um, And the taxes were an obscene amount of money. The taxes tripled in the 11 years I owned it. Right. You know, and it's all because I made it bigger. Right. It was a little house that I made much bigger and the town says, Oh, it's worth more. So we get to steal more money from you. And before I figured this all out, I just was like, holy shit, what am I gonna do? I gotta pay it. And I I had to pay it. This is the, is the, the, uh, the game they play, right? So they get to extort money from me just to live in my own house. And then if I don't pay, they get to take the actual house. Yeah. It's, a, it's an incredible system They have rigged for themselves They get to write words on paper That give them the authority They just give themselves the authority To steal money And if you don't give it to them They physically kick you out of your house They send a sheriff with guns and handcuffs And drag you out of your own freaking home That you're paying a mortgage on Or you could even own the thing outright You don't pay the extortion fee You're gone They take your actual house Sell it on the market And what do they do to the money? They don't give it to you no. They don't take their tax and give it to you They keep all of it <laughs> How's that for a fucked up system? Well, and everybody yeah. goes along with it every fucking day. It's insane. Well, and you guys got it really insane. And you guys got some crazy taxes up there anyway. So yeah, $24,000 a year for the house I just sold. Oh my gosh. Just the tax. Just for, just
0: for the tax.
1: Yeah. That's so pretty people amazing. People don't even pay that much a month in rent. It's no. not even that much. It's over two grand a month in rent.
0: It yeah, counts. and you know Texas is pretty Insane. good. We don't have anything except we do have property tax, so it gets a little out of control. But uh, you guys, Every have...
1: tax is uh, is theft. Every of tax course is it
0: is. Of course it is. We know that you know, but people do it because they they feel trapped. They feel captured, and you know I guess that's why Bitcoin brings a lot of freedom of thought to us. And you know we can kind of see things on a different level and maybe projecting something that you know is hopium or whatever it is. But it's it's a good place to be and uh it gives you know, a lot of empowerment.
1: Yeah. I want to make a point. You mentioned earlier, but might have been before we started recording about podcasting two right? So yeah. the you and I both understand it. there are there are people right now providing free content with voluntary contributions from the listeners, and they make money doing it. And there's all kinds of levels. You got Patreon, you got other things that allow for people to support content creators. And there's no reason the world can't go in that direction, but people can't fathom doing that, you know, giving away their knowledge for free in hopes they'll get paid. But if the world was organized around solid money like Bitcoin and this kind of ethos and everybody was doing it, it, it could easily work. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't need. So like, People would volunteer to keep up the roads in their neighborhoods. They'd all chip in, you know, and some people would give a little more and a little less. And, and if you had an open ledger to follow it, like on Bitcoin, you saw how much money was going into the till to, to fix the sewer system or the electric lines in the, in the town you live in. And the government and everybody agreed to hire to manage it can't cheat, right? Because you can. everybody gets to look at the books, right? So it changes everything. And then, you know, people would say, yeah, at least I know my money's not going away. Sure, I'll pay a little. Right. Uh, most people would. Right. And, you know, so you're always going to have somebody griping that they, they didn't somebody didn't pay their fair share, but whatever that, um, you know, the, humans did this before there were governments. We got along. There were roads, there were schools, there were fire departments, and there was no government to make it happen. People just made it happen in their local communities. It's not impossible. No, it's, it's amazing people think you can't get by Without government it's amazing they think that We don't need it really at the, Not at the level it's at anyway Well no we need it I mean
0: and once again you know Once we lost the value of our dollar Then we lost the value of our communities I mean and I saw it Happen whenever I was a kid in the small Town that I grew up with you know in, the, in, in with the farm With the agriculture with savings and loan Industry it all happened at the same time And so people need to Understand whenever you've lost the value of your money, you've lost the value of your food, you've lost the value of your communities, and you've lost the value of your families, unless you have an extremely, extremely based family. And so, you know, it's, it's so, um, i'm looking forward to because i moved back to small town texas and what i'm going to do is i'm going to attack it like you know in the best community way that i know how and and i'm going to bring conversations of bitcoin and beef to everybody's freaking (laughs) dinner table i'm serious yeah that's good i like it you know well the thing about it is people don't understand what we're about to go through with the food supply shortage people are thinking hey this is this is easy i you know i've got a couple of weeks worth of you know food whatever this is going to be different this time and you know it's going
1: to hurt me because i don't have a place to store a large quantity of meat and i am i have to say that every time i go to the supermarket and i see how stocked it all is i think wow yeah still no shortage and i keep anticipating it because there's shortages in a lot of other places like in my construction field sure there's all kinds of weird things that are just you know you can't get Which you think why is that out of stock it's just a basic thing but you know, whatever the plant that makes it in China is out of business. Who the hell knows? So it's sitting on a ship off the coast somewhere no one could get it. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. Well,
0: they well, got the shipping, you know, they're doing the foods uh the supply chain uh manipulation right now, so that's gonna catch up. Whenever uh I saw a report yesterday that uh I guess it was CBS, one of the whenever they announce something on their five o'clock news or whatever at night, the national yeah. news, it means that it's it's kicking off. So last night they reported, really? yeah, they reported that basically um Inflation on food is going to kick in now. They said that there's going to be people that um, will never be able to or will not be able to afford beef this year. It's already up 50% on the year. And they're going to say there's going to be shortages of fowl and there's going to be shortages of beef, of course, that they've already been saying that. They even said on this one segment, they said, if you own a steakhouse, you might not stay in business. And so they're really going to ramp this up and people are like "Ah, i'm just it won't be that bad of a deal i think what we're about to see is really their this is their last effort to where they can try to kill the cow if they don't succeed right now then we're going to be able to you know change the direction of everything they've spent billions of dollars on this fake meat industry and it's been you know basically being in the labs they've been they've got the equipment you know they're harvesting uh, stem cells now off of cows and you know they're pumping out a thousand pounds of meat a day and that's not enough for them yet
1: wait a minute pumping out a thousand pounds of what meat a day stem cell meat they, in a petri they grow,
0: dish kind of meat? well yeah it'll be in a it'll be in a lab it'll, oh it, God, does, me. an industrial lab and it's a it's a company out of uh actually as out of israel is where they're out of there's a lot of this stuff this fake I mean, meat stuff coming out of israel and it's just not going to like be bug. yeah it's not going to just be bugs it's going to be pea protein soy proteins all kinds of different 3d printed meat too they're getting nope. that
1: down wow. Those protein sources are nowhere near as pro as nutrient dense as meat. They're not even Well close. no, they're poison, is what they are. And <laughs> okay. Take it a step further. Sorry. Oh, yeah. They I mean, <laughs> if it's
0: not a pure animal protein, if it's been modified in any way, that's nothing
1: but a poison. Uh, so, you know, why do you it's think- a joke how they say, oh, you can still get the same amount of protein. It's not even the same, it's it's like saying, I don't know, yeah, you can get across the ocean in this rowboat or in this jetliner, you're still going to get there. It's no big deal. No, it's not even close to the same. It's well, a they, joke.
0: Well, people don't even know what protein is. They don't even. Wow. Oh, they say, oh, vegetable protein. Oh, look, we saved the planet. Well, actually, no, it's vice versa. You're killing the planet. Yeah, so totally. you know that's the psyop and all that. So yeah, they're going to come after, and you know, once again, I say that they're going to turn beef into caviar for a lot of people, and people don't understand what that means. <sighs> it means they won't eat a freaking ribeye again. And that'll be something that they replace with a new fake commodity protein, which is the fake, you know, meats and everything like that. And it's going to be unhealthy, just like canola was unhealthy whenever they replaced butter. And so this is going to be happening again. They're creating a whole new fake commodity market and it has no value. And it makes you lazy. It makes you overweight, makes you even more
1: ignorant towards food. So. Hey, did I hear you when you were talking to Michael Atwood, the guy from Oshi? Yes. Was he I heard somebody recently, I don't know if it was that one, talking about the fake meat on a menu and they asked the person behind the counter, does anybody ever order that? And they're like, no, do you know, is that you or is that another one I was listening to? I don't remember that one. All right. So like, so it was somebody was, somebody went to a restaurant, you know, or they Uh were telling a story about how on the menu there was this, you know, fake meat burger or something. Right. And the person out of curiosity said, Hey, that thing you got there, whatever it's called do people order that. And the guy goes, Never like right. nobody wants it. So it's a joke. Like they think, you know, they're pushing it. They want, they, they want people to believe it. And people don't want it. It's a, it's just a joke. I don't know. They really don't want
0: it. And it's it's amazing that they've spent billions of dollars on this. And so it kind of makes well, guess what? I mean, a lot of these companies have contracts with the government and the government with this infrastructure bill, they're they're taking over the food supply for the public schools even more. Do you know what food they're going to be feeding these kids? It's all this fake commodity shit. Shit. You know, they won't have hamburgers in schools anymore. They'll have fake hamburgers. It's terrible. And they'll have That's a big terrible. old bow around it saying it's saving the planet and it's healthier. You know, cause you're already seeing that and you're, you're going to see the marketing plans hit right now. We're right here on the cusp. They're going to scare people a little bit before Christmas, but after Christmas, it'll be a global marketing plan and they're really going to kick in this stuff. So you pay attention. It's going to be interesting.
1: And so, so what's your, what's your opinion about how it unfolds? Are we going to be able to push back as a society, a worldwide society, or are they going to get the upper hand in this shit?
0: um man this is going to be a regional thing i think that we're <laughs> we got a ways to go to get to where that division truly truly happens but i truly believe i think we're going to be okay in the states i really do um i okay. think that i think we're going to stand up people are going to start seeing things and they're going to start talking about it because they've already devalued our economy you know as much as they can to a point where people are paying attention now so they better better kind of watch themselves and and that's just that's always how america always shows up anyways but i think it's going to be pretty ugly yeah i really do and i don't really follow the politicians in the politics of all of this anymore i got out of that shit but you know i know that 2022 will have some type of exposure to what where we really are and you know this year that we're coming up on 2022 is going to be a difficult year unless you're prepared if you're prepared you're going to have opportunity out the ass you know but if you're not prepared you're going to be wondering how you're going to be feeding you know your your food's going to be different i'll just put it that way and so
1: there's no ranches by me i can't there's no Cattle That's farmers all right. I can go get a relationship with to get my beef, you know, and I, and I can't buy like a half a cow and store it in a big sure. freezer somewhere. I just don't have the room where I happen to live. Right. Um, so, it, you know, if I don't see a food shortage, I'll be perfectly fine. Like I can keep getting along where I happen to live. If things mm-hmm. don't get ultra crazy around here with, uh, you know, vaccine passports everywhere i go or whatever like i'm i'm shocked because i went right to the worst of it on long island where i live it was masks everywhere i was the only person everywhere i went that did not have one the only person for months and months and months except at the beach or somewhere i was going surfing you know all my friends were to be honest everybody at the beach didn't wear a mask but then you went right inland to a supermarket and everybody had them you know during the. The really heavy stage of this whole crazy thing and and i'm happy to see like half the people don't do it anymore which is great i don't know if they're vaxxed and they feel better or they just came to their senses but at least i don't stand out in the crowd anymore no one's gonna hassle me because all i gotta do is point to someone else but it was a little weird at first man i was the only one and i just kept thinking what the hell is going on what happened to the world why am i the only one that thinks this is nuts And nothing happened to me. I got sick for sure. I definitely had COVID like a month and a half ago, two months ago, only because I lost my taste and smell. And all it did to me was I was run down for like three days, had a headache one night, runny nose. And, um, and then I lost my taste and smell at the end of that. And the sucky, the suckiest part was, it was really good waves and I couldn't bring myself to surf because it was really big and it was like hurricane swell. And I was like, it's too much. I can't, I just don't feel up to it. It's just too much drift. And I gave all these excuses why I couldn't do it, but boy, if I felt up to it, I would have been out there for sure. But right. I felt like crap, but that was it. That's what COVID did to me. Right. But that's because I'm healthy and I don't take medicines and I, I eat well and I get exercise. I'm out in the sun all the time. And like, I don't know. I don't go to doctors. (laughs) I'm not persuaded to take all kinds of, you know, the crazy story. I, my, my ex-wife says to me, you know, you need to get a checkup. I go get a checkup. I don't, I don't believe half the crap these doctors tell you to do. And they just push, put, push medicines on you. And the guy says to me, you got high blood pressure and high cholesterol. You need to take these medicines. And my wife hears it. And she's like, she's on me about, I have to take these medicines. And the one, the one that I didn't want Well, I didn't want either one of them because I never believed in statin drugs. And I don't believe that a high cholesterol in and of itself is necessarily a problem. You have to have um, other tests done. You got to see if you have plaque in your arteries and stuff like that. But they didn't want to run any of those tests. The guy just wanted to give me medicine. So my wife you know, at the time, you know, bugged me every day to take it. And I didn't. And I eventually got super healthy. And the doctor, so when in, when I was seeing the doctor at one, one of the visits, I said to him, Well, what would you do if you were in my position? Would you take this stuff? He goes, I do take this stuff. And he was a fat doctor, like not in good shape. He's dead, dude. He died a year after he told me to take the same shit he was taking. He had a stroke or a heart attack and he's gone. And he was my age. Wow. And I'm running around like a maniac still surfing. And this is like 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. So he's an idiot. And my ex-wife's an idiot because she takes whatever. I shouldn't say anything about that. Whatever. The point is, they both wanted me to take this stupid medicine, and I was like, "No way! This is not how you get healthy in life." Anyway, yeah, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty obvious. Now, now. Wait, wait. Here's the way to look at it: an illness is not caused by the lack of this medicine they're telling you to take. Oh, you're deficient in prednisone. You know, your, your body's not making enough, so you need to take it in a pill form. No, 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 not at all. Something else is causing your problem. And what you got to fix, not take a medicine. People just don't want to admit this. And they just want to do the shortcut, take a medicine. And the pain goes away or something.
0: I think, I think I read something. I think it's 78% of Americans are on uh, at least one or two prescriptions at this time. I believe it. That's yeah sad, but I believe it well if you ever really wanted to screw society over more you could just you know stop that prescription flow from China
1: because most of it comes from China
0: does it really wow yeah a lot of our our prescription market is shipped from China
1: so much stuff comes from China it's crazy how dependent we are essentially on one country that yeah well that was my just yeah crazy.
0: Well, that was by it's by design, you know, to control the markets on the way they control. And, you know, they've they're now I see
1: the big picture now. I didn't used to, but it's pretty clear how they exported money, right? Dollars in the form of bonds that they bought. So they they gave us goods and services, real stuff for paper right and they finally woke up to it and now they have all the manufacturing facilities we we essentially gave them the credit to build all that stuff and then they sent us back a bunch of stuff and we thought we were winning and now we don't have the capability to make half the stuff the world needs and those guys over there do and now they're all you know this leaders of countries all over the world now are saying I'm not so sure I want to deal with this dollar anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's agreements being made between countries to trade directly with each other and go around the dollar, which is, you know, we call the petrodollar, which is the world reserve currency, as most you know, anybody who's tuned into this stuff might know. And that's been forced on the world essentially by. multiple generations of our government um that has created conditions where the rest of the world has to use dollars essentially if they want to get along otherwise we'll bomb the shit out of them or something you know that's typically what we do we'll we'll kill your leader and we'll put in our own you know like how many puppet governments have we propped up it's a joke but anyway Onward, what, what else do you want to talk about? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. You know, I don't think, you know,
0: it's funny. I don't even know who's listening to a podcast really, but, you know, it's it's just getting started and everything, but I always want to get on here. Basically, the only way that I can under, uh, have a good podcast is if you're just speaking some truth, that's all that really matters. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hold back on anything. You know, I just, I want to talk about, you know, you said you don't have enough uh, or you don't have a close enough rant or anything like that right
1: yeah there's no cattle ranches anywhere on long island well you need to find
0: you, know, you need to find somebody and just give them a call or i'll, I'll send somebody to you and you can just well, develop I, a relationship with them and say hey i'm out here on long island you know how can i help you and you, you know how can you help me i want to support you you know and you can talk to them and say hey i know a lot of people on this island would love some beef from you and so but, i mean you can approach it a different way it's, it, it goes so much more than just a freeze
1: space too you know well there's probably ranches in the new york you know upstate new york oh, or Bible. connecticut or new jersey or pennsylvania not far away right that if i was to look on the internet i could probably find somebody um i have ordered food you know steaks like omaha steaks and uh, butcher butcher block is that yeah. what it is? i forget you know there's a couple Those companies bars. out there but um I typically buy grass fed beef at my local supermarket, which has been always in stock and it's just easy and convenient and, you know, yeah. just the way I happen to live and I don't have a big freezer space to keep a lot of stuff, especially cause I sold my house. So right, right now it's a, a little inconvenient, but you know, my life's in, in flux, I'm going to be moving out of New York in the next year or two. Um, once I wrap up and sell all the rest of my crap, uh, like I said earlier, little by little, I've been reducing my tax surface, getting rid of items, um, selling things and, you know, putting a, a fair amount of that into Bitcoin or running my business with it or whatever. Um, I, I give one example. I bought a boat a little over a year ago. Now, uh, the price of Bitcoin is around 10. Uh, bought a boat. I sold a boat. The, uh, the price of Bitcoin was around $7,000. I sold the boat for 10 and I put the whole thing into Bitcoin. So I got more than a whole Bitcoin out of that. Awesome. And now, and now Bitcoin's worth $49,000. So that, that boat went from $10,000 a USD to like the equivalent of 50 plus a little more, you know, like sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 right now. Yeah. The boat's not worth that much if I still owned it. So, you know, if you got stuff sitting around and it's not making you money and you don't need it and you're not going to use it, get rid of it, sell it, buy some Satoshis, you know build up your Bitcoin stack because it's, it's just worth it. It's just money sitting there. And I got tons of equipment still from my construction company and I'm going to retire and sell it all over the next couple of years. And little by little, I'm just going to stack some more sats with most of it and uh, and then retire and I should be good. Yeah. That's pretty
0: awesome. I mean, that's a good, like uh, story about that boat because I mean, that just sums it up right there. I mean, it was definitely good yeah, it timing. Does. It was, it was good timing, but you yeah, know, but you know, it doesn't really I, matter. <laughs>
1: It was good timing run. but but wait a second at the same time I was aware of what I, I was doing 100%. Sure, I sure. watched the price go to 20 from under 3000 when I first decided I needed to own some early 2017 all the way to almost 20 grand within a year and I thought I was a genius and then I watched 2 years of like down 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 or like twice getting almost right near where I first bought like around 3 grand. I was like this is crazy but It's on sale. Just remind yourself. It's on sale. It's on sale. You buy as much as you can. And I kept plugged into the space. I kept really studying hard. I saw that the network was not broken at all. I saw that this was, the public's perception of what a Bitcoin is worth and nothing more. And the traders of the world were suppressing the price. There's some people wanted it down so they could get more. There's so much manipulation. There's nothing you could do about it, but the fundamentals were never broken. I kept paying attention. I kept making sure I understood. Don't trust verify. You just keep verifying everything. And sure enough, I watched the ecosystem grow. I met more people. I started to realize how serious some very smart people in the world were about this thing. And it just gave me more and more and more confidence. So to watch it go up to recently, almost a month ago, to uh, like se- almost $70,000 is confirmation to me that. All of that hard work, all that strong hand holding on to that Bitcoin stack, I was buying on the way up to 20. And when it went all the way down below, I was underwater big time. Boy, I was embarrassed to admit it. I didn't want to talk about Bitcoin to anybody. You know, I didn't want to admit my position. Uh, you know, it's tough, but I was convicted and, I, and I'm and i so glad that it worked out because a lot of people finally, when when I see people that I saw years ago that I mentioned Bitcoin and I see them because there's plenty of people I run into, it's years in between. Sure. If it comes up they all remember like man I wish I listened to you. Yeah. I will say it because yeah. they know. They know and I go it's not too late it was still super early. You and I both know this. It's crazy to think that a Bitcoin worth about 50 grand right now, and it's still cheap, or at least right. we believe it's cheap because I already think it's way underpriced. A Bitcoin should already be worth a million dollars in purchasing power right now, in my opinion, but the world doesn't agree because not enough people have seen, you know, what, yeah. what this thing really is, but that's not going to stop as you and I both know. And so it's essentially, in my opinion, it's inevitable um, I even did a talk called "Bitcoin is Inevitable" and I can prove it. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> um, I'm considering putting it into words, either in a long article or even a small book, uh, just because I think the principles really do hold true. Um, that it's it, there's certain fundamentals that that are that almost, in my opinion, essentially guarantee Bitcoin's uh, survival and um, acceptance uh, by the world as money. in one day, uh, it's just a matter of people, one person at a time, ult- ultimately getting a hold of this understanding and, and saying, yep, yeah, this is it. I'm, I'm not changing my mind. And, you know, we already have tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people around the world that have made that choice. And, but we have 8 billion people on the planet. So there's a lot of people that haven't figured this out yet. And, you know, it's only a matter of time, but it does take a lot of time. It's just the nature of communication and and people, you know, Right. And Parker Lewis says it, you know, eloquently, uh, gradually, then suddenly, like the Internet, like so many other things, it bubbles around and there's just a handful of people working on it and they never give up. And then all of a sudden the masses come in and whew, it just blows up like amazing and everybody knows about it and it's normal. Yep. And that's what Bitcoin's going to do. We're at that bubbling stage right now. It's really starting to get to a boil and it's going to, it's going to overflow the pot pretty soon. And the whole world is going to go, what the heck just happened? It was 50 grand. Now it's 300 grand two years later. What? Yep. Yeah. yeah. People aren't going to, they're going to be amazed and they're going to scratch their heads and, and they're going to see me again in a few years and go, damn it. Why didn't I listen? I'm going to say it's going to a million. It's only 300,000. Now get as much as you can. Yep. and they will ignore it again. Maybe who knows?
0: Well, the, you know they will, and that's just going to be that's just going to be how it plays out. And yeah. you know, I went through you know the. Uh, the boom and the bust of the internet. You know, I was younger in technology and everything you said, you know, like Parker said and everybody, uh, it happens. And you you trudge right. along, you, you you walk in that mud, you you uh, you really, you know, it's tough to get along. You get down, you you go through these cycles of development, of innovation, of adoption, and then you got to retract a little bit and you get all the, you know, catch all the crap. I mean, you see it all, then all of a sudden, one day it just clicks and there's something there. And all of a sudden it has adoption. And Bitcoin doesn't need that big of adoption. Whenever you look at the size of our world, the population and the access. And so, you know, it will be, you know, it's it's going to be exciting to, you know, see the layers of adoption to start happening. And, you know, what happens with that, you know, how positive that's going to be, but also how much you better know what the hell you're doing as well. Because there's going yeah, to be well, a lot of people out there that, you know, test that.
1: Yeah, and this is an important thing we're talking about here. This is the adoption of a new form of money, money being, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, the most important. uh, I would say it's an invention of humanity. Like money is not a natural thing. Money is a construct that we created. And it came about through natural progression of humans trying to barter and trade with each other because, you know, one guy had one thing and the other guy had something else. And, hey, uh, let me get some of that and I'll give you some of what I got, you know, and... It grew into the society we know, and so money, uh, because we created this construct of money, and then turned it into physical items that we could depend on at different levels. And of course, we know the history of money went through many phases, and many items were used as money. But the concept of money and the and the the idea of, for most of human history, a physical money that could be used in trade became. The thing that allowed humans to prosper more than any other thing, I believe, um, some people will say fire, some people will say the written word or the discovery of numbers and mathematics, they're all very important, but somehow to me I see money as the thing that allowed more people to communicate with more people other people in more places and, and prosper more because everybody could specialize way better. Cause if you had an agreed upon money, you can be a specialist in one really good thing and sell lots of those things because enough people wanted them. And then you get this money and then you could buy all the things you need. Right. So you and I know the story of money. So to me, money is the most important invention or the f- most important construct we've ever had. And Bitcoin is the best form of money that we've ever seen, it has all the properties that humans have come to recognize that money needs to have to work well. And um, we have it now in the most scarce um, uh, form that we've ever had because it's strictly scarce. There's literally an absolute limit on it, which has never been seen before in all, in, hu- in all of human history. The only two things on this planet that are scarce are Bitcoin and time. So it's really an amazing, amazing um, discovery. I, I consider Bitcoin a discovery because The elements that, that allow Bitcoin to work are all were all present on the earth before humans discovered them. Math. As, as we understand it is the organization of groups of things that we call numbers, amounts of these things and moved around in unique ways. So we uncovered that it does this but it was actually here as a concept as a first principle on the planet numbers they were just here we just had to figure them out we didn't really invent them one item is one item we just call it the word one when you have two of them you have exactly twice as many the concept of twice as many is something we just gave a label to you can't deny that there's two of them if there's one there's another there's two that's twice as many we define it using a word but the concept is natural. It's here already. We didn't, we didn't make that part up. We just labeled it and figured out ways to work with it. So, yeah, so we come up with this thing called money, the most saleable good. I like to say that with money, you can buy anything, and with anything, you could buy money. So, money's the one thing that anybody can use anything to get some money right? Because it's the other side of a trade. So that's what makes money really important. And it, it allow it's a, it's a communication, it's a language It allows people, you don't even have to be able to speak to each other and you can still trade because you got this thing called money. If you both recognize the same money. So now we got Bitcoin, the best money humans have ever seen. And I just think that fixes everything. I don't know how I got onto this. Again, I sometimes I lose my train of thought, but Everything I said still applies to however we got onto this subject of discussing this very important concept of money. I forget how you, you what triggered me, but sorry. No, it was Take it I'm, any direction you want. Man,
0: I, I enjoyed hearing that because it's good because it, everybody needs that clarity. And, you know, that's a good form of clarity right there. What is money? You know, how we got here, how important money is. What is, you know, our definition on individuals, what money is? And you, what people don't understand there's layers to this that's going to happen. And with these layers, you know, you're going to build you know, value and legacy in a way that we've never been able to do it. That's kind of how I see it. And, you know, in, in my life, I'm trying to incorporate Bitcoin into the, the cattle rancher to where saying hey you know you're you got here by legacy and heritage and tradition and you're going to need to store that legacy somewhere you need to store a value that you've never seen before your cows what you do with these cattle especially if you're regen and you really love your cattle and you love your trade you love your your skill set and everything like that you want to store that value you want to store that time you've never seen this before and so you know i'm i have been talking with uh Michael with OSHI app and we're definitely going to team up. Um, I talked to them today and they're getting some hits all over the United States right now. So I think something's about to kind of happen with this and it, it's it's going to be fun to watch You know, Michael have some success with it. So it looks know.
1: like an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for me in New York, I don't think we can use it here. It looks really? like it integrates Strike into the way it operates, at least from what I could tell. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't do a, a lot of research, but I did look into it a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, we're just heavily restricted here in New York. The politicians have the stupid bit license in New York. So companies right. have a, have trouble operating in New York. And And so a lot of the same services that are available, like Unchained Capital in Texas, right, I can't give them some Bitcoin and borrow against that, right? right? That's a that's a viable business here in the United States. People, adults all over the place are using their services voluntarily. They're regulated within Texas, within the United States. But right here in the borders of New York, they made some different rules. And us adults over here don't get to play like the Texans. We don't get to use their services. It's the right. most absurd concept to think about that there are a handful of human beings that could write some words on paper that can rule my life and they're up in Albany and I'm down here on Long Island, but I live within some arbitrary line drawn on a map yeah. and they get to control me. It's so disgusting. I mean, every time I think about the concept of these other people controlling me, I can't stand it. And there's nothing I could do. The companies, this is the problem with having an attack surface, right? I call it an attack surface. When you own anything other than Bitcoin, essentially it's an you you have an attack surface that somebody else can take from you whether it's physical cash in your pocket whether it's your house they come and take it through eminent domain whether it's the money in your bank account uh somebody sues you and drags you into court and forces you to spend money on lawyers i mean there's so many attack surfaces in this world right that people could i don't know this man I, this stuff makes me so frustrated how these <laughs> other people can control us the way they do.
0: Well, I mean, th- that's uh. why we got leverage now. I mean, that's why we see yeah. what we have.
1: And, and it is. It's it's leverage. And you you, you got to reduce that attack surface was my point. I apologize for cutting you off there. But no, the leverage we have by having our wealth, a good chunk of, of movable, unconfiscatable wealth in Bitcoin is significant. And by telling people this, like I try to get it through their head that once you have control of this, it can't be taken from you. Mm-hmm. And that perks people up sometimes. I go, you know, you ever hear people getting their money taken right out of the bank? Well, once you have Bitcoin, no one can get it. Never. And they're like, really? <sighs> yeah. No, it's, it's an important concept that you get to control your own wealth for the first time ever where it's literally unconfiscatable. Yeah. That's I like am- that's never been seen before. That's it- like an attack. You got your wealth protected from the attack essentially. And it's like, I don't know, man, you can't do that with your house. You can't pick it up and take it with you. You could take your 12 word or 24 word, 24 word seed phrase in your head and cross borders with a billion dollars in your head owning Bitcoin and then set it up in another country. And, and you got everything, all your wealth. It's like unheard of concept for anybody. listening that doesn't know that investigate what I just said. This is an amazing thing about Bitcoin as money and what it can do for humanity. It changes the game. Sorry, I, I interrupt no. you. I apologize.
0: <laughs> no, you didn't interrupt, actually. <laughs> you just added to the conversation. But uh you, you know, I'm gonna ask you, you know, you are you gonna get out of New York? You said mm. you're gonna you're gonna sell Oh, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I can't wait. Do you I got know?
1: obligations here? I got a couple things I need to tie up loose ends with my business i got to sell a lot of things i got one guy who wants to buy a bunch of equipment maybe even next week which i can't wait that'd be great yeah. price of bitcoin's down compared to where it was a month ago so i'm going to stack some stats with that money but um i'm also involved i don't know if you're aware of this but there's some friends of mine that want to build a wave pool on long island it's yes. called the long island surf park yeah you can go to www.longallensurfpark.com and you can check it out. Uh, And so I've been involved with this project for years now, essentially uh, since the beginning, because there's a good friend of mine who's really behind the whole thing, him and his son. And I want to see it get built. And I was just talking to the son today and uh, it looks like we we we're getting really close to getting permits, which is great. That's been a big slog through the bureaucracy of department of health and the fire marshal and all these people have to sign off and say, it's okay to go build this thing. But you know, we have property, we, we have the whole site plan approval on a lot of things waiting for final building uh, approval to start digging the hole for the pool, you know, but the timeline now puts us past next summer by the time we actually can get started, even if it's this winter and then they dig the hole and then pour the concrete, it gets us all the way through this coming summer. So we're not going to be using this thing till the spring of the next year, like 2023. And I'm not leaving until it's done. As much as that pains me to have to say, I'm going to be around that long. Maybe I could travel a lot more in between, but I'm going to be around for this thing to get built. I have to see it through. I've been involved. So, and I want to, you know, I want to surf the thing and everything. And and I want to bring a lot of my Bitcoin friends who who know about it. I've been talking about it for years now. And a lot of people want to come, you know, so I can't wait to host Bitcoin parties at the wave pool, you know, whatever. So it should be pretty cool. And the guy's building it. Um, So like, here's one of the things that we're hoping to do with this thing. This is really interesting. Again, you may or may not have heard this. Anybody listening to this may may not have heard this. So I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but we are going to use natural gas to make our own electricity on site using something called a cogen plant. And it's three megawatts of power. And you need a lot of power to move water. Water is very heavy and dense. And if you want to make a wave, you need a lot of energy. And that requires power. And so we figured out that the most economical way is to buy natural gas instead of buy electricity off the grid. Well, it turns out that these, this cogen plant makes a lot of heat and we can take that heat and put it into the pool water. So we're going to have a nice warm pool all winter long, just because of the equipment that makes the waves. But I said to the guys, you know, in between waves or like when the place is closed down at night or something, that plant is just sitting there and you could be making electricity. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to sell it back to the grid? And at first that's what they were going to do. And I said, well, what about we get some Bitcoin miners and we mine some Bitcoin with that electricity? And so it turns out the cost per kilowatt for us making our own electricity is well within the profitable margin of running Bitcoin miners. So if you own miners and you run that natural gas and make your own electricity, you're going to make money, making Bitcoin. So the pitch now is that the whole idea now is that we want to use this equipment to mine Bitcoin. We're hoping that we can find the backing to build it that way. So we're, we're right at the, Beginning of our uh investment phase where we have people that want to put money into this, but we want more investors to, you know, spread spread you know, spread the pie around. I guess, you know, we need the money. When none of us have the 10 million or whatever it takes to build this place. So we need to help we need some help funding it. So um we figure that people that are in the Bitcoin community might find it quite interesting that we're gonna be making Satoshis and waves in the same place with the same equipment. And what's really cool, and I found out this today as well, talking to the son, um, the cogen general plant has a cooling tower in order to keep regulating it. And it has enough capacity to cool the miners as well. Wow. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about airflow or the warm summer weather. Like we can easily divert the heat from all this equipment. And we have this giant pool we could put the heat into. Right. You know, you got a big giant heat sink. The pool, you're going to be able to ride a wave a hundred yards long. That's a football field. Yeah. So it's a huge amount of water. And so you have a lot of, a lot of area you could store energy. And of course it's going to evaporate out of the water. So it's, it never ends. You can dump your heat into that water forever. Right. So no matter how much heat we have, we can get rid of it. And so we it's it could be it could work out quite well. So yeah, this is what I'm doing here on Long Island, besides building houses.
0: That's pretty cool, actually. I mean, are you gonna <laughs> are you really gonna document and all that? I mean, you are gonna s- save all this information, how you're doing it and everything, of course. Oh, yeah. So, so the guy that's pretty The, the guy I'm
1: working with is my my age, is, you know, the father, right? His name's Chris. His son Brett is in his early twenties, mid twenties. Maybe he's 25 by now. He's been involved for five or six years since he's a teenager so this kid knows everything about wave pools he's really smart he did a lot of the market research on figuring out all the costs of this thing i mean he's he went to college for business so he you know he knows what he's doing here he's been working in his dad's business for many years so he's a pretty smart kid his goal is to build 10 more in the next 10 years after we prove this one out so we so we're it works because there's a lot of surfers on Long Island. The, the the money works, like the income that we can generate from this thing works because there's way more surfers on Long Island than this place can handle. Right. In terms of how many guys could be in the pool at one time, how many waves can you make per hour? We have all these metrics figured out. We've been running tests. I built a, I built a giant uh, test tank literally the where we make little mini waves and everything is to scale and we measure and we time it and we film it to make sure like we've been like scientists for a couple of years now. It's, it's been kind of crazy wild ride for me actually to be involved in all this, but we, we know that we could make, you know, certain, we, we do, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes on to this. I don't know. I forget what my point was going to be in the end though. Like we, we want to, the guy wants to, he wants, we think it's going to be very profitable, and he believes that once we prove that he's going to build, you know, like we, so, all right. So I know my, my point going to be where we live in a densely packed area with a lot of surface. So you think like, what do you need a wave pool? The ocean's right there. Well, the ocean's very fickle and you can't schedule going surfing, but with a surf pool, you can go every Tuesday night at seven o'clock if you want. Right. right. As long as there's an opening. So there's surfers love the idea of having a wave pool. So now you just go to New Jersey and you put one five miles in from the coast in New Jersey where there's a million surfers. And then you go down to Maryland and you keep doing that right down the coast. And you just put them all the way around the coast. And then you go 50 miles inland and put another one. Yeah. And the surfers that live near the coast will drive inland to go to the, the new one. And the yeah. people that are 200 miles inland will drive towards it. And everybody in the country will be surfing one day. That would be awesome. Yeah. And will get put everywhere. Because you, if you could show the financial viability, people will invest and they'll build them. Yeah, It's like like snowboarding, skateboarding, anything else People build snowboarding on, On mountains, you see them everywhere now The jumps, the half pipes, it's normal You can't go to a mountain and not see that stuff And that used to not be the case Snowboarding was invented in my lifetime There used to not be snowboarding, now it's Proliferated everywhere. Same thing with skateboarding. There's skateboard parks all over the world where kids go and they ride skateboards, BMX bikes, inline skating, all that stuff was developed and built out. Surf parks is going to be no different. It's going to yeah. there's already being built all over the world. We're just we have our own unique design. Ours will be a, a one-of-a-kind um type, the way it works. So there's different methods to make a wave and cause it to break in a pool so you could surf it on a board, right? There's different ways that people have invented to make this happen we have our own sort of a proprietary methodology how we're going to make it happen so you know but between us and everybody else that's doing this stuff there's no reason they can't be everywhere one day sure yeah well i mean i I love that
0: because you're right snowboarding was just i mean it was nothing but then all of a sudden it was everywhere and of course it controls everything now and um i was going to ask you where else do they have these wave pools right now
1: well so um one of the first Proof of concept wave pools <clears throat> was uh, designed by a company called wave garden in Spain of all places, inland in Spain. Um, and they, their design has been built in a whole bunch of places around the world. There's one in Wales that uses the same design There's one. I think they just built in maybe Korea. Um, so that that the way the waves are made in that design is, is one particular method. The shape of the pool is very unique to, for the for that particular type of wave, um, I'm not going to get into describing it. You can go online and look up Wave Garden and see how it's done. The, the most famous, most winningest surfer in the in all of surfing history, a guy named Kelly Slater from Florida, of all places, <clears throat> helped pay for and, and design and build a wave pool in California. There's only one like it. It's his. Um, he actually sold it to the uh, World Surfing association i think that's what it's called these days you know the governing body of uh, organized surfing in the world they essentially own it now but everybody calls it kelly slater's wave pool and basically it's like a, a three-quarter of a mile long square um trough of water in the middle of yeah. a farm in lemur california way inland from the ocean it used to be like a water skiing lake or something where they just go straight down and they slalom them through or whatever and they put a tram. Uh, like a giant railroad track on one side of this pool with a wedge that sits down in the water and it goes in both directions. And as it goes through, the wedge pushes a wave sideways out into the pool and then it goes down the whole length of the pool. So you get the longest ride is the, Longest man-made wave in the world, but there's only one like it. But the problem with it is it's not economically viable. It costs a lot of money just to make one wave. And the average person is not going to go. So the wave garden tech- technology allows for way more waves so you can fit more people in the pool and you can charge people less, you know, for for enjoying the way it works. Then there's a totally different, completely different methodology. This place called um, Surf Lakes in Australia, where it's this giant lake. And in the middle of the lake is a really giant plunger, like no exaggeration, a big steel curved thing that goes up and down, literally. It's just round and it just gets lifted up by uh, like some steam pressure or something. And then it pushes down into the water and it just pushes a wave out in 360 degrees. And then in five places around the perimeter of this lake, there are man made reefs. So, when that swell propagates outward in all directions, there are five reefs that people can be surfing at all all perimeter the whole perimeter of the pool. Every wave that comes out, there's people all around the pool surfing. So, you can fit like 30, 40 people getting waves all at the same time. So, it's a totally – and there's only one like it. So, that's one of a kind of that. And then you got things like Typhoon Lagoon in Florida, which was built in the 80s with this really old technology, but it makes waves – Flawlessly, It never breaks down. It's just not a great way for surfing, but you can surf it. There's an indoor crappy little wave in New Jersey. I've been to a couple of times works with very similar technology. It makes a crappy little wave. It's mostly good for kids, but guys figured out how to make it surfable. So they, they let you rent it in the off hours. So surfers come in when they close down the, the water park for the kids and surfers come in and use these pools. So, um, so there's, you know, there's just a whole bunch and people are coming up with tweaks and different ideas on how to make all these different things. And we have our own design. We have a, a naval architect that we all went to high school with who lives in California. He's also a surf, surfboard maker. He owns a surfboard company and he's just a really smart dude. He, he designed the pool shape and the technology to make the waves we built it in miniature to test it and it works flawlessly. And Uh we our tagline for our surf park is seven foot and hollow every day. Meaning we can make waves seven foot tall, perfect tubes. And right now from, from a surf park perspective, that would be the best in the world because there's no surf parks out there that make that wave right now. Really? Okay. And we, and our tests in our tank, we made waves to scale that, that could be considered 10 to 12 foot in the real life. If, if, if it worked out like if our tests are accurate so we feel very confident that we can meet our seven foot and hollow benchmark that we set for ourselves um with the technology as we have it currently um and so yeah i'm pretty excited about the whole thing as you can imagine being well, a no, that's for pretty, 47 yeah. years I now mean, i've been surfing
0: you're gonna have your name on that that's gonna be pretty cool i mean and, you I know can, my I name's.
1: If you went to the website, my name is nowhere and it's okay. I don't need my name on it. The guys that are building this thing, my good friend and his son, they know I've put in many, many hours on this. And I don't, I don't need any credit. I just want to surf the thing, you know, and they know, and they know I'm going to be there to help out. Like when it gets built in real life, I'm going to be at the job site all the time because I'm just extra eyes watching things, making sure, you know, everything gets done whatever it's supposed to, do. you know, I'm in the building business. So they trust me and everything. So matter of fact, whenever he needs something, my friend who's doing this on his house or his commercial building that where his business is, he always calls me to fix it. I've been, I've been his contractor for like 25, 30 years yeah. and we go all the way back to high school. So, you know, this is, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in this pretty deep on the surf park thing. So, but I'm just stoked, man. This is like so cool to be involved. Like I say this to people, like, you, you picture Thomas Edison, right? back 100 years ago in his laboratory in New Jersey, tinkering, thinking whatever he wants to think. And he goes, you know what, if I got some tungsten and I put it in a glass bulb and suck the air out, I wonder if that would work. And he tried, what, 10,000 times to make a light bulb. But the part I like about it was that he did whatever he wanted. He didn't get permission from government. He didn't get a permit. He didn't have inspectors coming to check his work. He just did what the hell he wanted. That's what I just got to do. Me yeah. and my friends built a test tank. We didn't get permission. We didn't ask anybody to inspect it. We keep fixing it, changing it, doing whatever the hell we want. And and nobody knows it's nobody knows where it is. Uh, government's not going to find it. And I don't give a crap because I don't need their permission. It's, I'm an adult. I get to do what I want. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I feel like this is the way life is supposed to be. But in, in a world where, some government official knew we were doing this, he would require that we get their permission. He would have us arrested. Like there's some idiot out there that thinks he gets, that he has the right to tell us we're not allowed to do something we want to do on our own property. And that just bugs the crap out of me because government gets away with it all the time. And I'm just like so happy to think that I've been doing this with my friends and just like living the entrepreneurial lifestyle like like life is meant to be. And we're not hurting anybody. Right. We're doing our thing. We're not hurting anybody. We buy everything we need. We honestly go, we purchase products and services. We construct things. We take our own risks. You know, like we was, we were overloading the building. We had everything plugged into. So we said, you know what? Let's not take a chance. We got some generators. We plug the stuff in outside on a generator now to run this wave tank because it draws a lot of electricity out of the, the building. And the lights were flickering. We're like, okay, let's let's get serious here. You know, like, okay, so like we're not stupid. We figured it out. We didn't burn anything down. You know, like, that's what we do. That's what people do. Like, like government, just leave me alone. All right. I'll figure this shit out. I don't need your help. I don't need your guidance. I know more than you anyway. You know, it's a joke. I I laugh. A building inspector comes to look at my work and he doesn't even know what he's looking at half the time. Like I know more than these guys. They didn't build houses in the, in the, in the field for 30 years. They got some bureaucratic job to go check off boxes on a, on a piece of paper. It's kind of a joke. Not all of them. Some of them do know what they're doing, but it's just a joke like some of this crap, you know, whatever. Go ahead.
0: Well, you see that, you know, in this, the rules and regulations talking about that, you know, I, I come across guys, of course, ranchers and stuff, and people are opening up their own processing centers in here in Texas And the rules and regulations are so spread out. Nobody even knows on a lot of things and a lot of items, if they're even supposed to be regulating or inspecting it. And so, you know, that is done by design as well. And in the beef industry, they do that to manipulate the market, of course, so you get government involved in anything, you get it involved with food, you get it involved with, you know, entertainment like what you're doing. Yeah, you're gonna be liable. You know, they've got all kinds of stuff that they can throw at you guys.
1: So yeah. well, just building this thing, the amount of red tape, you know, it's it's sure. pretty elaborate. You have to like one of the things we didn't realize is that the health department, because this is a public pool and people are in water that has microbes in it, you know, like uh, they want to know how how good is your filtration? How many times are you going to circulate the entire pool through your filter? Like there's a rate, you know, yeah. that you can say with the size of the pumps and everything. And if you don't meet that, they're not going to give you approval. So like, all right, I get the safety aspect of that. In a free market, the people building it should want to make sure it's safe so their customers keep coming back. In a free world where people are honest and have integrity, they don't build crappy stuff where their customer might get hurt because then the word gets out and then no one shows up and they go out of business, right? So you shouldn't need in government to tell you how to do things. But I but I also am, you know, realistic enough to recognize that people will cheat all the time because they can put more money in their pocket and hopefully they'll get away with the cheating and, and it won't the finger won't get pointed at them. But in the end, essentially, you know, quality businesses stayed in business because they kept building quality and the customers knew it. They didn't have to cheat to make money. The customers willingly paid, right? So, you know, they we don't need their approval to build it safely and correctly, but that's the environment we work in. We have to, we, you can't get away with it. You know, a big project like this, you know, they're going to come with police and shut you down if you don't get their permission. So, sure. you know, it's, it's reasonable to some extent, I get it. And some of these rules are fair and, and they make some sense, uh, but they don't make it easy, and they certainly charge you a lot of money to do it. You know, like the cost of permitting is absurd. It really and check is. this out. Check this out. Absurd rule that I just heard. You buy a piece of property, right? So my friend buys this property. We're gonna dig a big hole in the ground. So you know what? People buy that dirt. People yeah. like a brick company that has to make bricks. They gotta get sand to make the bricks. Long Island's a lot of sand. The township where this pool is being built charges you. To get rid of your own sand. There's a fee to take the dirt off your property. (laughs) So like they can sell the dirt minus the fee the town takes for letting you sell your dirt. This is incredible extortion. If you ask me Uh, off the charts, like how the hell did you get the right to my freaking dirt? yeah they they do it and well guess what they're about
0: to they're going to try to tax the air coming up here pretty quick so the heck well, you know, you look at carbon credits and everything that they're going to do with carbon credits. Let me that's give you. Let me give a you joke. An, well, I'll give you an, an, another example here. Let's let's look at the cow. They're gonna they're gonna make the cow a carbon hazard. Okay, And yeah. so if you make something a carbon hazard, that thing has a footprint now. So since it has a footprint, anything that that cow touches, it gets put into a, basically a certain database. So anybody that's still dealing in cow they're going to look at it and say "Mm, i'm sorry you're eating too much beef you are now a carbon hazard as well you don't get as many carbon credits this year or you don't get as many carbon credits this month you know and if you use up all your carbon credits guess what you're a bad citizen now because you're really polluting the planet your consumption is is suspect because we've already identified this as a carbon hazard and if you don't change your ways then you know we're going to be able to i don't know your insurance is going to go up you know because you're eating this animal protein, we've declared that animal protein is bad for you. And so they've had they'll have this type of control and it's all going to be led by this climate change bullshit. And it's going to be stuff that they get away with and they're already, you'll see it, here it comes. This is a carbon credit economy in a way that people don't understand that it's going to affect them. Their MasterCards are going to have carbon credits on them and all that carbon credit that you basically get or get rid of is going to be tracked in ways that you don't understand that's what they're shooting for this is this is not going to happen overnight but this will be something that unfolds and they they're really going to try to push this stuff and if people listen to this shit again they're going to be basically you know they're going to opt in in ways that they shouldn't be opted in so
1: well, they're going to ease them into it like they yeah. do already, you know, you just chip away one small step and people go, "Oh, whatever, it's not that big a deal." Until yeah. 25 steps later they realize they're off a cliff because they got pushed back too far. It's crazy. Yeah. But Pretty yeah, much. I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, my only, you know, like this is really sad. I've lived a lot of years and I've watched the world improve or at least I thought the world would just continue to improve, right? So as a kid, you know, I don't know if you had to do this, but in, in grade school we had air raid drills. Um, you know, the world was worried about another world war and Russia was going to bomb us. And they used to make us go out in the hallway and lean against the wall and, you know, cover your head. And, you know, it's kind of a joke. If they dropped a nuclear bomb, it's not going to do anything, but they made us go through it. And like, to me, it was just like a stupid drill. I never expected a bomb was going to land on the school, but, um, uh, what the heck was I saying? Shoot, man! I, no, it's sorry. it's funny. It's funny you bring that up because where I
0: I grew up, uh, we have a place called Pantex, and it's where they store all the plutonium. And a lot of people don't realize that <laughs> we've got a, and it's you know top secret and all that kind of stuff. So we we were told growing up that we would be the first that would get bombed. So, you know, going back to great. yeah, you had a target back, right there. Yeah, but going back to that, you're saying society was getting better. Well, it's been better. Oh, thank you. You know
1: what? Again, I, I, I keep regressing. I keep thinking and I keep going back and I forgot where I was going with this stupid thing. But I thought society was getting better. As a kid, I was, you know, you hear these stories about how evil these other places in the world are and i'm thinking my, my logical little kid brain was like well if i'm learning this stuff that means pretty much everybody else is learning and then everybody's got to be waking up to the fact that war is stupid i think it's stupid i don't want to kill people so so the world should just keep getting better i used to think of the idea of littering once i understood that littering is bad it makes everything look bad i, I never littered again you know i never throw anything out the car window and still to this day i see people doing it and i think How did, how did that message drop off? How did people not all agree on that? It is really better for all of us. And if it's your garbage, like be a little bit responsible and throw it in the pail. You're the one, it's your freaking garbage, right? How did you get the right to litter the planet? Like it's not, it's not right, but the message just dropped off. Like I, I'm really shocked. You you have cumulative knowledge, right? Like a thousand years ago, you didn't have all this worldly knowledge, especially at your fingertips, right? So people knew what whatever they knew. We now can look back at human history. There's so much knowledge to choose from to see what worked, what didn't. And it's lost. People aren't learning it. The schools don't teach it. And the world is reverting to like, it's going backwards. It's really sad. I could never believe, never in my wildest dreams could I believe that we would be in what we're in these last couple of years where people walk around wearing masks. And right now, I can't walk into a building and patronize a place because I, don't, I can't prove that I got a chemical injected into my arm by the government. This is incredible, blowing my mind. But we, all that said, <clears throat> I am confident that for the remaining part of my lifetime, uh, I can live under the radar and never let these people get to me and control my life because there is enough places in this country and in this world still that they won't have time to get to. Before I kick that is, if I got 10, 20, 30, even 40 more years on this planet, I think I could outrun these people by just moving around, going in some other jurisdiction, doing something, you know, like, look, if you can take your wealth with you, you can go anywhere on this earth that they will accept you with your wealth if they're going to treat you better. And you might not be, you know, know, political climate change every time the leader changes so you can go one place and it's safe. And then two years later, it's not safe. But the point is though, if you have options and you can move around and your attack surface is not too big, you might be able to get through this mess. If you own a thousand acre farm somewhere and you don't want to move, you're stuck having a fight right where you are. And that's going to be a little bit harder for some people. So I don't know what I'm going to do right now. I don't own a home. I just sold one. I've, I've owned a home for a long time, more than one. I'm happy not to own that home right now at this time in history. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want that. I don't want the tax burden, the maintenance burden, or the attack surface. So, I'll see what happens. I'll see how it plays out. I would love to own a home one day again and settle down and relax and know that it's my place and no one could really kick me out. But that reality is really never the case. No matter where you are, somebody. No matter where you are, somebody with more power than you can force you off your property. Even if it's a criminal or Well, government is criminal, so yeah, there you go. Any criminal could come along and kick you off your land if they have more firepower than you. That's the bottom line. It never goes away for all of human history. That's just the way it was and the way it will always be. But that doesn't mean you can't get yourself into a position where that won't happen to you where the risk is very minimal. And so, as you said, where you live pretty rural, you know, people are normal. I hear stories of people all over Miami. Like they don't even know there's a pandemic. Nobody wears a mask. It's a joke. They laugh at it. But here in New York, it's not soville. They're everywhere. People are crazy here and they're just indoctrinated into this nuts. Not so craziness. So I got to get out of here, but there's enough places. This is a big country so far. It's still free to travel all through the States. Tons of free and open land. I'm not really too worried. Yeah. That's I mean, my bottom line,
0: are you going to stay on uh, close to the ocean? Are you staying in the States? Are you looking all abroad? I mean, you. Uh, to I, do am no, yeah. I am looking abroad.
1: No, I am looking abroad. Definitely want to be near an ocean, but in the end um, I could probably be, I could probably get my surf fix. If I could surf really good waves for a week, every month, Cause yeah. I bet you on average, that's all I really surf around here. When you pick a couple of days and then you go two weeks without surfing, and then a couple more days, like right now, I probably haven't surfed in a month and a half. There hasn't been anything worth going. Right. So that's a lot of time. I didn't get to surf right here and right, you know, five miles away. Um, so if I had the ability to just jump on a plane every month and go to some new surf destination where it's almost getting ga- this place in the world guaranteed to get good waves. There are seasons, there are storm patterns that make waves, Every day in some parts of the world. I've been to a place in Mexico seven times called Puerto Escondido. I've been down there. I've been down to Puerto. All right. So you've seen, have you seen the huge waves that come Uh in at Playa Zigatella? It's freaking unbelievable. And it breaks over sand bottom. It's just, it's such a great surf spot, but it's, it's like a machine when there is swell, which is almost every day. Um, what happens in that part of the world because of the geography, the water is so warm that at night the the air above the water rises and just inland, there are mountains and there's cold air in the mountains and that cold air sinks and comes down to the beach and the warm air rising off the ocean water pulls the air off the land. And every morning it is offshore wind. The wind is blowing from the land to the ocean and the tubes that the waves get turned into because the wind blowing against them are awesome. So you can kind of almost count on every morning and every surfer that goes there wakes up at the crack of dawn and surfs until that wind switches around 10, 11, 12 o'clock. Cause once the land warms up and the air is rising faster over the land than it is over the water, that breeze turns right around and pulls inland every day like clockwork every freaking day so you know if you're going there what you can expect now there is other places in the world completely different conditions but dependable really dependable for whatever season it is or whatever like right now winter time in hawaii there's tons of waves yeah do they get some flat spells of course but on average you can almost guarantee if you go to hawaii for a week you're gonna get some good surf uh this time of year uh so if i could do that i could live anywhere I could live sure. in the middle of Wyoming as long as I could get on a plane and go surfing or snowboarding. You know, I get a good fix from snowboarding too. So yeah. if I could do that enough that I feel like I got my fix, then I could probably live anywhere. So that's cool. Like I could do, that. I don't have to live by the ocean. I could also live near a wave pool and that could be anywhere. Yeah. So you never know where, how that could turn out. So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I find myself in this Bitcoin space and I happen to know a lot of Bitcoiners now. And some of these people are, if not already, are going to be super wealthy. You know, if you own, I mean, you and I probably personally know people, even though I can't say for certainty, I bet you, we know people that have a hundred Bitcoin, several hundred Bitcoin, or even several thousand Bitcoin, which is worth, you know, tens of millions of of dollars right now. Right, And they're regular people in their thirties, forties or less. Some of them, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to fathom what they could do with that wealth, what they might do, and how many of them might want to get into surfing, build a surf park in Kansas. Well, you, know, you have you no know, idea. And
0: that, that's a good point. And, you know, we don't like to try to call people out who they are or anything, but that that is a reality right now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, what's good about it is, though, because they are probably just common people, and they're going to have some really good intentions. And, you know, they're going to really like I see it in the regenerative farming and ranching, you know, people are going to go screw you billionaires we're going to we're going to create a a ranch of our own here and we're going to do it the right way and we're going to have a lot of people looking at us doing this so you know you can do that in anything that we touch as bitcoiners because we we're so diverse i mean here i am in the desert high plains of texas you know and here you are out long island being a surfer you know one thing that we do have in common is bitcoin of course Mm -hmm. and the understanding of the decentralization and the power and the freedom that it Does give you so,
1: yeah. So, just to expand on that, one of the things that I think about regularly, and I've had discussions with other people, is I see Bitcoiners, um, as being ideologically aligned. And I think much of it, like for me, is who, like for me, I was always a Bitcoiner, I just didn't know it. I was always a libertarian, I didn't know it until I understood what they really were, and I really got a clear picture of the world around me, and then. I started. Uh, so, you know, of course, once I understood how money worked and I understood how important Bitcoin was, I gravitated towards it because it made so much logical sense. And it, when you see Bitcoin, and you understand the truth machine that it actually is. You recognize that you can't cheat this thing. You recognize that all the people involved in it are in the same boat. Everybody's is essentially exactly equal within the network. Right. Unless you I mean, you gotta, you could own more Bitcoin and be theoretically wealthier, but you have no additional rights within the system the system is agnostic to who uses it everybody is treated exactly equally and that's a fundamentally unique thing that us humans can recognize and go wow that's that's interesting i have to li- align with this thing it doesn't do what i want it to do if i ch- say do this it won't it, i have to do what it says you know how it works you have to align with the code the way the protocol works your computer talks to every other computer if you agree with this network and you abide by its rules you get to play Right. So that's an interesting thing. And the fact that there is no one person that set these rules, or es- essentially at this point, nobody that controls this system and can just change the rules arbitrarily, we recognize that this is fundamentally unique. And, and by participating in it, you have to step up your game in a weird way. You have to, you have to humble yourself to this to this truth machine in a weird sort of way that hits you fundamentally deep down. It did for me. And, and many people have expressed something similar, you know, whatever words you can find to express it. But what I'm trying to get at is that you tend to recognize the uniqueness and the truth, the truth that Bitcoin brings um, into the way it works and then, and how you have to align with it. And it causes you to, I feel it causes you to want to be better. I I just feel like it, 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 like, any natural tendency you had to want to be better, Bitcoin helps you achieve that. Let's put it that way. Like everybody loves animals and, and wants to pet them. And right. So like, like Bitcoin makes you be that more. <laughs> it makes you be that happy, lovey person even more. It makes you want to be a better person somehow. And other Bitcoiners say this too. So it's not just me, but what's really good about that is that it, it Bitcoin tend to align, not just around each other, but around first principles, Right. Yeah. That govern the planet around us. Right. And and that once you do that, you are essentially uh, agreeing that the world works a certain way and I'm going to align with it. And if I do, and so does everybody else, we're all going to get along great. Like like nobody's going to be in in misalignment with the way things work. So when when they print money out of thin air, yeah, that's not natural. That's not how it should work for for the concept of money. And so they 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 it's broken. The signals are broken. People can't, they can't plan, they can't, they can't interact correctly. And we see this this Bitcoin thing as this thing that is a level playing field. It's a it's a one language that everybody can use and we can all communicate um, on the same like I said level playing field. And and I just see this as a thing that brings people together in a way that nothing else could. There's nothing a a sports team, a politician, a country. It's not going to align people like Bitcoin does like people all over the world are aligned around this thing. Different cultures, different nationalities, different countries, different levels of government oppression, different good money, bad money. It's irrelevant. This is a truth machine the world has never seen. And I just see that as the kind of thing that brings like-minded people together that going back to those people that may have a lot of Bitcoin, you've got really good, high integrity, honest people that want to do good, not want to just get ahead for themselves, which is all that we've ever seen in politics and money and banking and finance and wall street and all this other crap that goes around in the world. Not that people don't want to get ahead. It's just that people in Bitcoin want to get ahead without cheating. They, they want to bring value to this world and get paid fair for it. That's really, I think, the biggest thing that I see that I, I you know, I don't want to give away everything for free. I'm willing to do some stuff for free like you and I talking tonight. You know, Anybody who listens to this gets it for free, right? But in the end, if I give you some value and you pay me for it, that's the way it should be, right? I don't want to cheat you and I don't want you to feel cheated and I want you to pay me the amount we agreed on. That's been my business model for years. You know, I do everything I say I'm going to do whatever's in the contract, you pay me, the work will get done. Just like we agreed. It's easy. It's easy to do because then you don't have to remember your lies. You don't have to like, did I cheat this person? Did I fulfill my obligation? No, you just do it. Right. It's not that hard. And Bitcoin, I think Bitcoiners are more of that. Breed of person. And even if you weren't entirely that Bitcoin just pushes you in that direction and you become that person. Like I said, people get nicer and more honest and and it's just just better all around. And so those wealthy people with the Bitcoin, they're going to make a a really good impact on the earth. Maybe not every one of them, but I think a lot will. I honestly do. And that gives me a lot of hope for potentially how this could unfold in the world. You know, um, just one last thing on this topic, you know, you think about this 46 million millionaires or something on the planet, right? So they can't all have one Bitcoin. And you and I both know there are, there are young men and women on this planet right now that are not famous. They're not well-known and they own hundred, 200 Bitcoin, whatever it might be, which was nothing 10 years ago. You know, they paid 20 bucks for it or something stupid, you know, like right. it's amazing that person will be one of the wealthiest people on the planet and what they may or may not do with their wealth would be nothing compared to what the parasites of the world do with wealth. Now, the, the wars, they start the, the corruption, the the words on paper that they write that screw one group of people and give benefits to another group of people. These Bitcoiners are not like that essentially. And they're not, they're not the kind of people to necessarily seek power and try to control others. You know, some of them maybe sure. There's always crazy people in every walk of life, but, Generally speaking, this community is fundamentally different from what i could see and I, it gives me a lot of hope in, yeah you know.
0: and it, it is something that happens it happens probably just because you put the the time into it and you start understanding it you quit saying stupid shit you quit you know you understand there's accountability within the community itself but what one thing i think i told on the marty marty bent's podcast is i said it gives you a portal into yourself that you probably haven't seen before or you didn't have confidence that you could bring out. I agree. And, you know, and that's what's that's what's cool about it, you know, and right now, like that type of thinking is where my wealth is coming and where my wealth is stored Mm -hmm. by having that uh, acknowledgement and that awareness of how to to now successfully take ownership of your value and your time, you know, then that, that becomes pretty important in people's lives. You start looking, Hey, I'm gonna I'm going to pay attention to what I'm eating here. I'm not going to be doing this random high time preference type of consumption. That's it right
1: there. Time preference. I was, as you're talking, I'm thinking low time preference. I didn't even know what the concept was when you, grasp Bitcoin, when you grasp the fact that you can store your productivity, your, your labor, you take it home as money, you stick it in this thing called Bitcoin. You don't need it for a few years. When you take it back out, it could be worth 10 times what you put it in as. Knowing that causes you to really care about the future, causes you to really care about not wasting in the present. So don't buy frivolous crap, sell the junk you don't need, um, Eat better so you'll be around to see that growth of that productivity that has been stored in Bitcoin, right? That is fundamental. And that is another thing that all Bitcoiners, serious Bitcoiners, have learned low time preference. And that is another thing that aligns us. We all care about the future. I see this as another thing that's going to increase the value of all products and services. Because if you've got a, a low time preference and you don't want to part with your money, But you got to live. So you're going to part with some of it. Let's just say we're on a complete Bitcoin stand and you're earning Bitcoin and you have to spend. Well, you don't want to spend because you know it's worth more in the future. No matter what stage we're at, Bitcoin could keep going up in its value. The point is, you got to spend some of it. So you're not going to waste it on junk. So the products and services you're going to look for, you're going to say to part with these very valuable Satoshis. I want some good stuff. So the really high quality products and services are going to bubble to the top. They're going to get the reputation that if you spend that money with me, your product, your service is going to be of higher value, higher quality. It's going to last longer, whatever. I see the trinkets, the plastic bullshit disappearing, which will improve the planet. There'll be less garbage thrown away, less disposable shit. People will start using glass and, and ceramics instead of paper plates and cups all the time. You know what I mean? Like everything will change. Like you buy a bunch of paper plates and cups and go through them and you realize how much money you spent in a year. And you go like, I could have just washed the plastic one in my cabinet or the glass one, you know, like people are wasteful. It's a, you know, like, again, money's broken. So the signals are broken and people are frivolous with their lives and with their time and with their wealth. And they don't realize it. And you get into Bitcoin, you realize that everything could be different. You could have a much better future if you lower your time preferences, stop wasting your money. And, and that's what I see. That's what's going on in the Bitcoin community. And it happened for me and it's happening. It's going to happen. This is what's going to do it. You know, everybody slowly is going to see the concept of good money, recognize it one person at a time. And someday humanity will look back and go, how do those nutty people do it for hundreds of years without Bitcoin? Right. <laughs> like people are going to scratch their head in a hundred years ago. They were freaking crazy. Boy, we're lucky we didn't live then. Yep, Right. You know, That's what some people are going to say.
0: And it's funny. What, Cause what you just said, I tell a lot of people and it's, it's very simple. I said, you wanna check yourself, start living like your grandparents did or your great grandparents yeah. did. Just look at what they did because they did have a sense of value in anything that they touched. You know, there it was a, totally there was something that was valuable about that damn vase. There was something value about, you know, your grandmother's freaking salad bowl. You know, there was things that you put value into because they were built and they were acquired with the low time preference type of thinking. We're gonna buy this bowl, this bowl is gonna last me and i'm going to give it to my grandkids and that's you know what bitcoin does to a lot of people right there it's like i need to value this purchase for the rest of my life and i need to be smart about
1: it can you see that clock behind me yeah up on the file cabinet yeah that's over 100 years old right that clock was on my grandparents television in their house my entire life growing up my grandfather wound it every week i i gotta wind it and ran out earlier today yeah. it lasts for eight days I looked it up the company that made it made hundreds and hundreds of different styles of clocks big clock manufacturer in New York City back in the 1800s and that thing was in my grandparents house every day I went there my entire life and it rang every hour and every half hour and when both my grandparents passed away and my siblings and I were liquidating their their state I kept a couple things and that was one of them mm-hmm. and it's I think about, I just think about my grandfather every week winding that clock for decades. Like, I don't know. He wasn't lazy. You know? Like, right. you know, you say, you know, do what your grandparents did. Like, like my grandparents, when they were kids had an outhouse. Yeah. My grandparents, like sure. only two generations away, they didn't have running water in the home they grew up in. That's how close we are. You know, you and I two generations away from people that didn't even have indoor plumbing. It's amazing how far we've come. So our grandparents were hardy freaking people and and worked hard. And, you know, yeah, uh, it's just amazing where I see the world going and how many, how many weak ass people are out there that can't, they can't take care of themselves and they're afraid of everything. It's really sad.
0: Well, it's really sad, but you know, I always give the comparison. I always go back to food, of course, and you want to talk about the great depression and you know, there was, you know, people that were hungry. Yeah, they were hungry, but you know what? their freaking soup was even more nutritious than some of the steaks that people are eating. They oh, had new nu- yeah. they had nutrition in their food supply was, you know, limited, but I guarantee you the nutrition that they did get was far more better than what people eat on a daily basis here in our modern oh, times. Yeah, and that's it was what Whole
1: Foods exactly it wasn't all this processed crap back then.
0: And people can't put their head around that. They're you know because we we're very deceptive with what the, we look like as a nation. We're we're overfed and we're undernourished in a way that nobody wants to freaking admit.
1: No, and they're,
0: really they're, they're and they're about to make it worse. And whenever your medical field is reactive towards diabetes and obesity and heart disease and that's it you know and we have a pandemic for the last two years and they say nothing about checking your health we've got a problem folks and you need to start paying attention to how did we get here well we got here with creating these fake freaking commodities and overly processed food well they're going to do it again and people need to realize that food is not the same as it was 10 years ago it has changed that much And so, you know, Bitcoiners need to bring this to the to the discussion, you know, in the conferences and everything. We need to start talking about this because it don't mean two shits how many
1: Bitcoin you have if you're sitting there eating soy all day long, destroying your health. Yeah, but, you know, it's happening because people in the Bitcoin community are the people talking about this stuff. We are the people with the low time preference. We are the people talking about building citadels, communities to congregate, to get away from the oppression. Of the crazy people all around us, and just you know, um, you know, you asked me where might where might I go. So I I spoke about you know various options, but I I know somebody with some property in another country, and he wants to develop a community there. And there's a lot of Bitcoin and some very famous ones that are actually interested in this particular right. um, this particular piece of property and this particular guy and his vision. And there's people working on it, contributing already, ideas and resources. And, uh, you know, one guy did a whole bunch of 3D modeling of a potential layout for the entire property and buildings and, you know, uh, farming areas and, uh, you know, a well for the water. There's an underground aquifer and all this, And you know, just it's amazing. But people do want to come together and build build societies that they, uh, you know, can be like our idea would be a self-sustaining community where we can produce our own electricity, our own water, our own food, uh, with various different methods, uh, and just be left alone, like off the grid. We don't want to depend on government. We don't want to depend on, you know, the electric company, the big monopoly, none of that crap. You know what I mean? And it's not easy to do. There's not a lot of places on the planet where you, you can stretch out into some land where you can build something like that without some government looking at you and deciding whether, how much they want to control what you're doing. So there's, it's, it's not, it's far from guaranteed being able to be done, but Bitcoiners talk about this stuff. I mean, you, you've probably seen it on Twitter, picture of some like castle on the top of a mountain of and somebody course. just writes my Daily. future Bitcoin Citadel, you know, like whatever. Like we all, we all hope for a, a way to live in the future where we could just be left alone, yeah. you know, by the government that tries to just steal your wealth and, and control what you do every day. It's horrible. That's all I want. Like the non-aggression principle, like I, just let me do whatever I want to do as long as I'm not hurting somebody. Right? That's it. Know. So if I'm polluting the land and it's flowing downstream and hurting you, that's not something I should be doing. And somebody has the right to come and tell me to stop and even force me to stop, essentially. You know, if I'm infringing on the right. I mean, this is the thing like, well, if you don't have government and police, who's going to control everybody? Well, the police are just people and they're controlling people so they can still do the job. They just don't get paid from government. I'll pay them. We'll, we'll get a collective going and we'll hire a security force. I mean, it's like. It's amazing how people can't think this through and like it's it's so impossible if we don't have government. No, we don't need government. We just need people to be fair and honest and uh, whatever. There's so many ways to fix this crap. We could talk all night about this, but yeah, yeah. One day, let's hope we have a a, a society or at least some area we can be living in, raising our family, feeling safe and enjoying life, you know? Sure. It'd be great if we could travel the world again, if they would open up the whole world. I've always wanted to go to Australia. Now it's the last place I want to go. It's incredible what they've done to those people down there. But there's great surfing down there. I'd love to visit one day. We'll see. Maybe one day this will all get fixed. Uh, I, I hope so. I know of a friend, uh, Tony, he's
0: in big way, he's Victoria right now. So, you know, that's one thing that people don't realize is a lot of this was to steal your personal space and yeah. create a new digital space. And then we, of course we're going towards the meta and everything, but to limit to your personal space is the agenda and people that opted into it, you know, now they're going to feel cognitive dissonance and t- cognitive distance is a bitch. And they don't want to admit that they're wrong yeah. and they they're going to, they're going to find out that you know you you probably should have came along you know you should you should have you know quit pushing this this agenda because i see things going in a good direction but there's still going to be some there's going to be some battles lost here there's still going to be some yeah there really
1: is but the one thing uh, go ahead i was going to ask you about tony and victoria is that tony ray yeah i know him yeah yeah, yeah cool and his his wife and I communicate on Twitter all the time and they're always yeah. telling me can't wait for you to come and visit and surf yeah, together yeah, and yeah right. you know whatever That's tony they and see still. what yeah, they see what I post about waves on Long Island, and they're all like, yeah, Jim, go for it, you know, right. whatever. <laughs> he's got way better waves than me. He surfs at Bells Beach and Wikipop, which are so much better. Yeah, he, he's had, he's had a good
0: surfing life, that's for
1: oh, sure. Oh, yeah. No, he's I knew dead. about him before I met Did his you? wife on Twitter, yeah, because he oh. he's was he been in magazines. He's a big wave surfer. He, yeah, yeah, he's he been. A, waves much bigger than what I've ever been in. He's uh, he has a
0: couple of helicopter shots, that's for sure. So yeah. yeah, but yeah, they're having a tough time over there. So yeah, it's it's still so. That's good that uh, you're in con- uh, contact with them and everything. Right, it's you sad.
1: know, we talk about visiting each other, and they're trapped over there. And I, I'm not going to come visit and get no, trapped. No, hell there. no, I'm not. So I'm like right talking. now, it sucks. You know, we talk on the computer, but it's like are we ever even going to meet in person one day it would be nice but man it's really I think, sad well that, like,
0: i think that's a lot of pro- people's you know i you know me and Princey for you know once and yeah, you know yeah. he wants to come over to the united states and you know he, he can't right yeah, now no oh, nobody can if they they can't fly yeah, in the yeah, united states the yeah
1: but you could walk across the southern border well, no problem that's,
0: yeah that's, <laughs> that's what, what i, I thought it's like such a joke
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> I, unbelievable I, this I, stuff uh, actually goes on
0: well it's it's the world we live in and we have to push back and you, you do that by not complying because you don't have to comply a mandate is not a rule people it's not a law it's it's uh-huh. something that's try to enforce you L- look at your stuff and check yourself and make better decisions and buy some bitcoin and eat some beef and go <laughs> surfing start <laughs> living life again you know get Listen. your hands dirty go outside clean the yes. dirt turn the Ride noise a bicycle off.
1: I haven't had a a TV. I haven't had a TV, and I don't know. It's three years now. Uh, Me too, dude. It's got to be about three years. I have not had a TV. I I I do not miss it.
0: There would be a cold day in hell. I ever watch TV again.
1: Yeah, no, I'll yeah. never sit down and purposely just like, oh, I'm gonna watch this show. If I end up with it's a TV on and it's yeah. just there, that's different. But yeah, no, I have no interest in the television ever again. Well, Nothing I visit, I visit
0: my folks and they have that crap on, and I just like it. It freaks me out
1: to tell you the truth. Oh, I uh, recently I had to listen to like the TV news. I was in a situation without getting into the details where it was on day after day and i couldn't not hear it in the other room and i kept, kept thinking those people have no idea how brainwashed they're being they have um, no idea and i would listen and go and like holy shit that's an outright lie that's literally an outright right. lie on mainstream tv news like i know for a fact that's not even true and the people watching that are just going like oh okay yeah, yeah oh cool yeah, oh, it's- i'm up to speed on the world no you're not even close oh it's amazing it's it's pretty damn scary is what it It really is is. it's so bad i mean i never it's probably always been this bad and i didn't know because i couldn't see the big picture now i see the big picture and it's so blatantly obvious how bad it is it's amazing yeah Yeah, it's It's pretty it's pretty screwed up but you know they call it programming for a reason yeah 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 i remember the first time i saw that and i just had to laugh like oh that's true yeah, well, yeah well, you know well. it
0: is you know people out there you don't you can't look at it anymore and say well i need to see the news to see so i can be
1: informed oh hell no bullshit you're not informed <laughs> you're no, less you're, informed you're dumbed down if you watch the news no and you if gotta you need- get you you gotta unfortunately now the place to get information is the internet and i say unfortunately because even a lot of that is manipulated censored and whatnot but well that being said You and I are talking over the Internet right now, and no one is stopping either one of us from speaking our mind. And for anybody who gets to hear this, this is essentially unfiltered information that two human beings are putting out there. And that's good that we have this on the planet is a really good thing. And there's a lot of it still. So that keeps me optimistic as well.
0: Yeah, it really does. And that kind of wrap it up here. You know, it goes back to podcasting 2.0 and you know how important that is going to be for the Bitcoin community. I see a lot of people, uh, simply Bitcoin, they got, You know, everybody's making moves to go that direction. You know, Marty Bent, Marty's doing phenomenal things right now. You know, him and Odell got so many things cooking up over there. And then, of course, Adam Curry, you know, he's the pod father 2.0. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on with it. You know, this, I guess, decentralized, you know, uh communication that we're striving for in a way to where you know we cut out all that stuff and we can have two grown men talking to each other and nobody can do a damn thing about it so yeah. you know yeah
1: hey just one real quick thing i want to elaborate on that what what people don't realize is the incredible amount of work that is being done around bitcoin all over the world that yeah will only be common knowledge a year from now two years from now like you know, I say the word taproot and Schnorr signatures and the average person listening to this would be like, what the hell is that? Now that's something you and I know that's a, a protocol change in the, in the Bitcoin um, software that took years, years to develop and test and argue over and the whole community worldwide debated on how to do it and whether we should have it and all this, but it worked out. Right. But there's things like that, that are, that have been going on for years, that are just starting now that will take years to develop. And the average person has no clue this is going on. There is like, they hear about Bitcoin on the news and it's this thing out there. It's just this thing. Meanwhile, there's just thousands of people all over the world working on this in secret. Not, not even in secret, they're in the open, but in secret to the, um to the consciousness of the public, sure. There is no clue it's going on and it will affect their lives. Like, Bitcoin will affect everybody one day. It kind of already does indirectly, essentially, because if you're in the fiat world and you own no Bitcoin, you are affected by not owning Bitcoin right now, because some of your wealth could be growing by leaps and bounds if you had it over there. So you can't say that at the current point in human history, that Bitcoin does not affect you. It affects everybody at this point. Uh, To what extent you want to deal with that, that's up to you. But one day everybody's going to know about Bitcoin and it's, and It's yeah, it's just whatever you want to end this thing. We've been talking for a couple of hours. I don't want to keep dragging it out, but this is just something that's everybody needs to pay attention to. That's the bottom line. My last word, you got to wake up, pay attention to Bitcoin, get in alignment with this thing. Your life's going to get better. The world's going to get better make well, it happen.
0: yeah you bring i mean that's a lot of wisdom because you've been around you've been for five years and we know you know that's not overly long it's not overly short but there's some reflection there that you're basically you've been able to compile in your life and how you're actually changing your life and how you're going to pursue your life that's because of bitcoin it's not because of anything else and uh you know that and you feel it and you, you know you you do a very good job with narrating it too and okay. so you know people need to freak can listen to just these simple conversations right here you know this isn't a bunch of larping this isn't anything it's just two guys having a conversation trying to share something we wouldn't have known each other without bitcoin we wouldn't have any respect for each other without bitcoin so you know there's a lot of layers to it a lot of value a lot of people don't talk about enough as well so you know I'm, i'm glad you brought up the fact that there's all kinds of stuff going on across the world all the time it doesn't stop and i see it and i'm starting to see more More of it. So once that becomes to more of a general consciousness, you know, this stuff will really start being even more exciting. And uh, more people will get educated. More people will kind of design their lifestyles around decentralization thought. And you know, that'll get them closer to Bitcoin. So
1: yeah, it's one of the things that keeps me hopeful is knowing how many people are committed to this that the average person doesn't know about. And so I feel like I'm an insider. You know, I got inside information about how the, you know, the quote unquote company works. You know, Bitcoin's not a company as we know, but to know the people that are the ones building the infrastructure and building the different platforms and the wallets and the different software and the lightning network and all these things, the OSHI app, the guy that's working on that. Uh All these things are helping to enhance the functionality of Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, the average person just hears about a thing called Bitcoin that costs a lot of money right now and has no idea how much benefit it could bring to them if they just adopt it and put it into their life and figure out how it works and, and then start using the tools that are being built around it. You know, just one last perfect example, like Unchained Capital, a company in Texas that offers Loans against your Bitcoin. So let's say you own some Bitcoin, you bought it when it was much cheaper, it's worth a lot now, you're sitting on it, you don't need the money. But you say, well, you know, I could use some money, but I don't want to spend my Bitcoin. So they could, they will loan you cash against your Bitcoin. And if the Bitcoin goes up enough, you could literally just liquidate some Bitcoin to pay them back and like never have to go out and buy that cash again, uh, you know, or earn that cash again. And that kind of stuff. People don't even realize that there's this stuff happening around Bitcoin that allow you to live a life different in ways that you didn't even know was out there, you know, like opportunities and ways to use your wealth and use your time and, and your credit worthiness and anything like people just don't know. They don't know no. it's there and it's there and that already works. And then the, all the things that they're working on. still. just one, one last, I can think of things all night long and I'm sorry, but I got a friend. I see him all the time at bit devs in New York, this guy, Andre, him and his company, Zebedee, they figured out how to put Satoshi's into gaming, right? So they built games like there's all kinds of gaming Gaming's a huge industry. They figured out if you're going to win points in a game, what if they were Satoshis, right? So they've they've got the Lightning Network integrated into gaming. They have their own proprietary games, but they also wrote an API, which allows any game manufacturer to take that information and stick it into their game and make it Bitcoin compatible. These guys are going to take over the gaming world with Bitcoin integrated into gaming. And this is the tip of the iceberg because once other companies see them doing it, they're going to jump on and it's sure. just going to explode. And nobody knows this is happening. The gaming industry doesn't even know it's happening. Literally like wow. a handful of people don't know this is going to explode. And every kid on the planet is going to only play games that they win Satoshi's in. Yep. If you are if you are on the gaming in the gaming world and you don't adopt bitcoin you're out of business in a few years. It's that simple. And you know how many people don't know this yet? It's incredible.
0: Uh, I mean a lot of like
1: you said a lot of gamers don't even know it's happening. They don't even know. Yeah. Don't even know. And the companies building the games don't even know yet. Right? That's amazing. And they're building games that are going to be obsoleted six months later because they forgot to put Satoshi's in the game or right. well, they got to tweak it to get them in there or else it's a waste of time. Yes. Yeah, this is happening right now. Big. Well, and the average guy has no idea. No, just think about
0: whenever you're able to buy your beef and you get SATS back for buying beef because somebody else bought beef.
1: Look at my hat. I got yeah, the fold, fold hat, right? I got the fold yeah. card. I get free Bitcoin every day for buying the crap I was always buying anyway. I go to the lumberyard. yard, I spend a thousand dollars on lumber. I get one, two, three percent back in Satoshi's free. Yeah, incredible! I can't even believe I got almost a thousand dollars this year in free Bitcoin just for spending the money I was going to spend anyway. That's awesome. And how many people know that's out there? The they fold don't. card people get a fold
0: card. Yeah. It's pretty simple yeah. too. You just go to fold, and it's it's pretty basic now. They've got it it's pretty basic. streamlined. Yeah, and
1: that's just one of uh, a dozen other companies that you can win Bitcoin from using their service. Yeah, Free Bitcoin. There's a whole bunch of them out there and it's just going to keep going. So, yeah, people have no idea this is going on in the background. So much stuff is going on in the background on top of Bitcoin because Bitcoin is a solid rock you can build on.
0: Well, and that's, you know, it really what it comes down to is people are learning what leverage really means. You know, yeah. how do you leverage Bitcoin? You know, if you got a lot of, you know, where you can, like you say, unchained capital, I mean, you can go out there, you can treat it like land. And, you know, yes. how do I leverage land? You know, how did they, how did grandpa leverage his land every year? It's yeah. a good way to get started. If you can get there, you know, there's a lot of things coming down the pipe that we're going to be able to leverage. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's given a lot of people, a lot of positive attitudes and coming up with new plans and having confidence that they can get those plans because they have leverage of the bitcoin protocol coming and so that yep. gives you the balls to go out there and do something so if yeah. anybody's sitting on the fence you know hear what we just said and you know make <laughs> something happen
1: right yeah man so much opportunity yeah it's like really it's just so exciting what a time to be alive, right? Isn't yes, that what sir. People say it's amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, I, it's kind of chaotic out there, but I wouldn't have it any other different way right now. This is you perfect. Know,
1: I, I've often said, and I, I, it's it, it's hard for me to say this now based on the last two years, but I've often said I've lived in the best time in human history. Yeah, I've had indoor plumbing my whole life. <laughs> I've had heat and air conditioning my whole life. You know, right. I've had an automobile to get places my whole life. Yeah. Right. So I've I've lived in pretty much pretty, pretty much comfort, you know, and, and you know, in other parts of the world, my whole life, there are people living in squalor, which is really sad. I happen to be lucky that I grew up in America. My family had, you know, just middle class wealth, but enough that we can own a car and we always had groceries and we had a swimming pool in the backyard. I mean, I felt like I was doing pretty damn good. And so, you know, yeah. So it can all get better, though. The world can get so much better with Bitcoin. Yes. Well, we're
0: going to do our part and we're going to keep on doing our part and you know, I I appreciate you having this conversation tonight, Jim. And Dude, I,
1: I appreciate you asking me to have this conversation because it's course. rare I get to speak to Hardcore Bitcoin is that understand what I'm talking about. Right. So well, it's I our responsibility. It, you know? Yeah.
0: It's our responsibility. And you know, like I said, you and I hadn't talked that much, but you know, I followed you a little bit and you kind of caught my signal a little bit. And oh, yeah, dude. In I the last month or so,
1: you've been everywhere. I how could I not see your signal? You really uh you really exposed yourself. Like that that article you wrote, that was really eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. I knew a bunch of it intuitively, but to to see the way you laid it out, you know, the connections with the, right. with the chemical companies and the seeds. You know, it really bothered me to think that the uh, the generations of seeds that farmers kept are gone, like potentially yeah. gone. And all you have is genetically modified seeds, which is really gross. Well, and what's,
0: what it is, they've got a vault and uh, it's called the Doomsday Vault and it's over in Norway. And it's, it, it's got all of our seeds in it. It's got over, I think. Oh, good. Seven million, but that is is not good because guess who owns those seeds? Who, who has them under lock no, and key? No, you know, it's knows. the same. Well, it's the same people that are creating the genetically modified seeds.
1: Of well, course. you know, uh, the only thing, the only consolation we have is that no, since nobody lives forever, whoever's got the key won't have the key one day. Somebody else will. Sure. Like it doesn't get destroyed. Yeah. Humanity
0: I mean, there's yeah, there's hope there. I'm just saying, there's always hope. You know, there's always hope because like, the, the guy in charge I'll, I'll, now
1: is going to die one day, and the next guy in charge might be a nicer guy. That's I'll just like, put it this oh. way: they
0: they lock those damn seeds up for a reason, and uh, the reason yeah. is
1: to keep you
0: unhealthy. I'll just put it that well, way.
1: Well, that's sad, but the fact that they're not gone off the planet is a nice thought, and if well, they can get is. released back out into the into productive society and the world can be healed you know yeah but i i hear what you're saying because it wouldn't surprise me one bit that people did that on purpose because there's there's evil people out there doing this crap yeah it's
0: called the Svald, something uh doomsday vault for seeds it's pretty fascinating but uh amazing
1: i learned something new another piece of new information i did not know about this world well there's
0: there's a lot of damn food intelligence out there that people need to start paying attention to
1: because you're you're the man bringing it out so i applaud what you're doing well
0: i hope to live rent free in everybody's freaking head whenever they're going going? out there and buying that shit and saying man we need to check ourselves a little bit let's let's change this up we need to act like bitcoiners here and we need to pay attention so you know don't trust until you've verify right and take some That's ownership it. you know take some ownership of your food supply you know in and pay your to, life yeah in your life I'm you healthy, know and your kids finances. yeah get your everything. kids everything and pay attention to the beef initiative the texas beef initiative and the beef initiative so yes you know it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun ride so i appreciate your support jim dude i'm i'm
1: there anything i can do to help let me know okay bud we'll be talking to you soon okay All right. Excellent. Thanks again. You too. All right. Have a good night. Yep.